Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Milestone episode 100 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty. Sitting here beside me is my forever co-host, ringing in the new year. Ryan, how you doing? Good. It's crazy to think we finally made, with like official titled episodes, episode 100. That's right. Did you think we'd ever get here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think we always had, you know, lofty ambitions in terms of where we wanted to take the show, but in terms of how long it would last and what it would end up becoming, I don't really know if we had a clear vision. Yeah, I think we had reasonable expectations with lofty goals. I think what I never thought would happen is that 2020 would actually end. Yeah, and 2021 is going to be perfect. Oh, it's going to be excellent. Yeah, we're going to have Animal Crossing 2 mm. to deal with the non-pandemic. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it should be a good year. Good year in gaming, for sure. There's a good lineup coming, at least for the PS5. We got Halo this year, potentially. Hope so. We got a lot of cyberpunk patches. <laughs> <laughs> it's DLC, Ryan, yeah. not patches. Patches, DLC, same thing. Oh, they're all synonymous with each other. Um, yeah, it should, it should be a good time. We had a, uh, a good OSU game last night. <sighs> yeah, we did. But yeah, the Buckeyes came away, beat Clemson, number two in the nation, and we're going to play in the national championship against Alabama. Definitely uh, looking forward to that. But we're not here to talk about sports, Ryan. We're here to talk about our games of the year. Yes, we are. We talked months ago leading up to episode 100 what we were going to do, how we were going to make it special, and I think we checked a number of boxes that we wanted to check. One of them specifically was kind of memorializing our prior 99 episodes. How are we going to celebrate not only what you and I have done, but the people that have listened and the people that we've had on the show? And I think we checked that box pretty well by doing that highlight reel. Yeah. No, I love the highlight reel. It was really great times to not only put together to listen back to, but I think for someone like me that did edit together, just to see the overwhelming support, whether it was people private messaging me or in the Discord talking about it or tweeting back at me, it was just really cool to see that people really do care about the show and they care about the crazy antics that you and I've gotten into over the course of 99 episodes. Yeah. No, so I've, it was funny that, you know, some people were like nostalgic for things like super bros. Yeah. Oh God, that episode was so long. It was, it was like, well, it was a three parter and the last, not as long as the next episode where we promised to have a shorter episode. Yeah. Cause it was like four hours for the next one. Yeah. So the, I think the second one was like two and a half. And then the last episode where we finished the bracket was three hours and 41 minutes, a couple seconds in yeah. there too. But but yeah, so creating the highlight reel was one of the biggest things that we wanted to do. We had lofty ambitions of recording episode 100 live on Twitch, uh, but because my computer crapped out and I just didn't really have time to get things in place for uh, a Twitch stream, Otaku Brothers themed, we kind of said, how else can we make the episode special? And we thought, well, we have to talk about our games of the year as we always typically do. So why yeah. not also get the community involved by having a poll out there, creating a couple of unique awards where people can have their voice heard uh, based on the five unique categories that Ryan and I created. So we'll definitely be going through those at the tail end of the show after or kind of as Ryan and I talk through our top 10. But don't even worry about that. We'll get to that. One of the things we have to talk about, people are probably scratching their heads and saying, was that intro the same as we've been listening to it the past 99 episodes? And no, it was not. 
I reached out to Jason Heine about four or five months ago, just kind of pitching a couple ideas. Ryan and I sat down and listened to most of Jason Heine's back catalog of music on Spotify, which you can actually find it out there. He also has the Background Beats Project where you can use all of his music royalty-free. There's You're not going to get any kind of copyright strikes if you use those in your Twitch streams. Definitely check that out on Spotify and YouTube. But uh, he and I kind of connected and just figured out, like, what do we want to do? Or he said, what do you want to do? For, like, how, how can it be different? You know, yeah. like, you got to give me an idea of uh, a theme or just some kind of vibe that you're going for. And that's when Ryan and I went back, listened to his back catalog of music. Uh, we also kind of wanted something kind of jazzy, synthy, lo-fi, so we sent him a couple of his songs that he's actually recorded mixed with a couple of kind of lo-fi playlists that I've listened to over the years and uh, gave Jason Heine the creative liberty to do what he does best, and that's music production. And so he sent that clip over to me. He actually sent me like four or five videos while he was <laughs> producing it, which was so awesome. Maybe I can throw those up on the Discord potentially. Uh, but yeah, just over the course of kind of creating the clip, he sent me kind of the work in progress yeah if you will yeah he uh he got jazzed one night and had a good time making them yeah and so hopefully everyone gets a kick out of it i i've listened to a number of podcasts where the intro changes and you get so accustomed to listening to a track 30 seconds of it however long it is in the beginning of a podcast episode that when you hear it a second time or when you hear a new one it's like I don't know if I'm really digging that, but hopefully over the course of these next 99, it's uh, something that you can kind of get into. I love how he has a kind of a funky bass line in there, yeah, I love but then the bass. it goes into kind of this synthy sound that almost sounds something out of a perfect dark uh, track. So uh, I'm very pleased with it. Have a lot of faith in Jason. He definitely came through with the, the new intro. So hopefully everyone gets a kick out of it. Yeah. And going back to, we weren't be able to do Twitch for mm-hmm. our 100th episode. Mm-hmm. We'll eventually do a, a Twitch episode. We are contemplating 125 potentially is like a quarter mark to the next 100 um but yeah we're still coming up with ideas oh yeah and it's just one of those things too like once we do it once then we can do it as many times as we want to Mm -hmm. and as many times it'll be a lot easier it was just getting your house together and Mm -hmm. your game room put together exactly yeah so once we do once hopefully it is a regular kind of frequent occurrence whether it's every 10 episodes obviously i don't want to promise anything because if ryan and i have a track record of doing anything extremely well it's promising a lot of things (laughs) not coming through (laughs) a lot of consistently (laughs) inconsistent that's right that's right Uh, but ryan we're excited to kick off this next 100 episodes, especially today with our games of the year. Ryan and I will be going through our top 10, as we typically do each year, and then we'll also be talking through what we voted for, for those five unique categories. Yes. And then we'll be reading through the nearly 20 submissions from the listeners. Uh, everyone really surprised me, not only with their choices, which were really great, but also just a lot of community support, which Ryan and I definitely greatly appreciate. So we'll be reading those in the back half of the show. And then we're coming with all the fun little things for the listeners. Yeah, we had a fun thing on 99. Now we have another fun one for 100. Yeah, Ryan and I had some good times editing something together. Well, I edited it, but Ryan and I kind of came together and figured out what made the most sense for that edit. Yeah, we did. Yeah, a little, I've had to see you a couple times this week. <laughs> little, little tease for the listeners. But yeah, yeah, excited to show that in the back half. But as we always do on a Talker Brothers, we kick things off after eight minutes of talking a whole bunch of nonsense. We talk about our weeks. How we doing? Yeah, it's my last week of being on vacation uh, for what we call shutdown for the company I work for. They do a lot of uh, machine maintenance for the plants that we have over the Christmas and New Year's kind of break. 
So I have to go back to work in two days, which it'll be weird because I've just been playing games and yeah. watching Supernatural <laughs> and not thinking about work <laughs> yeah. at all. So, yeah, it, it's been really fun. I've been lazy as all hell, mm-hmm. but it, it's definitely needed. Sometimes you need that, especially to kind of bookend a year like 2020, just kicking back, feet up, dog on your lap, playing lots of games, drinking some hearty ale and uh, just eating some good snacks, hopefully. Yeah, Nala's been sleeping a lot. Uh Definitely less barking. That's good. Because probably taking after me, just chilling. Yeah, it's, it's been a good time. I've been just been playing lots of Dark Souls. Nice. It's good to hear, man. Yeah. What about you? Where are you in life? Uh, or this week, I guess. <laughs> life's all over the place. But now no, I'm doing well. Uh, Lauren and I, just to kind of close the loop on a few weeks back, we talked about the break-ins in our neighborhood. So on Thursday of this week, we actually got a security system uh, installed. Yeah, you did. So that's kind of neat. It's basically kind of motion sensing. So not only if someone's in our house, is it going to kind of pick up a signal and the alarm goes off, but uh, we can alarm it to do two different things, arm away or arm to stay. So if we leave the house and Scooby's not, and Scooby goes with us, then anyone that opens any door, the alarm's going to go off. Okay. Uh, if we open, or if it's like armed to stay, then we that's just us going to bed. And if we walk around, it's not a big deal. But if the door opens, then the alarm goes off. Okay, well, that's good. But definitely some peace of mind for us. We can also arm it anywhere in the world from our phone. So if we do forget to alar- uh, arm it, and we're at the airport getting ready to go on vacation or something like that, then we can arm it from our phone like before getting on a plane or whatever. Nice. So, Or if we're over in Ireland, you know, Chilling in a pub with Dean. Yeah, just you have the mounted turrets out front, just drop down from your garage. And, exactly. Yeah. But other than that, I just, I feel like I'm still struggling to get back into a rhythm with work. You know, I, I kind of told myself that going into the new house, I would have renewed focus. I'd be in my game room. I'd be in some other room around the house and just be able to focus more. Yeah. And I feel like the past two weeks with Lauren going into work and then me kind of just being in the house... I just get really easily distracted. So I think 2021, I know we kind of talk about New Year's resolutions and I don't think there's any ever a better time to start a resolution than just now. Not yeah. not in the sense of a new year, but just like whenever you feel like something needs to change, just take action on taking the necessary steps to make a change in your life for the better or whatever it might be. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I think I'm going to be going into what it's going to become kind of Lauren's little study room uh, with bookshelves and things like that. That's where I'm going to kind of set up shop for work starting Monday and hopefully, you know, just kind of a, a refresh mind, getting over the hump of 2020 and just having renewed focus. Because I think a lot of people working from home uh, have struggled with that. Yeah. No, I know. I definitely have. I think it was the Thanksgiving break that kind of threw me off. We had like a four day weekend and then just those two or so weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I just, I don't know. It's, I mean, we've been off since like March or so. Yeah. Working from home. Um, You had like a couple weeks in the office, but then that quickly changed. It was three days. Yeah. yeah. It's, it it is really hard to focus after, I mean, I'm sure being in the game room would be hard for you because this is like your work and pleasure. So like, the second you start working, you want to play games or mm-hmm. watch Survivor or do whatever. Um, and th- that's kind of the same problem that I'm running to as well is all I have is the dividing line of the back of my couch before I'm in my living room. Yeah. Because the, the kitchen and the living room are the same thing. So, yeah. Hopefully that works. I mean, you get a lot of like natural light in there. Which yeah. Should... I mean, those three windows are definitely going to really help pretty tremendously, I hope. 
But yeah, I mean, more than anything, I just, I want to get back in a rhythm because it's just going to help not only my confidence and work, but just kind of in life, if that makes sense. I just kind of feel like I'm really down because, because I'm not focused in my work and prioritizing that it kind of just seeps over into other areas of my life. No, I, I totally agree. So yeah, hopefully, that's uh, a good resolution. not only myself, you and really everyone that's listening uh, can go into 2021 with a renewed focus, whether you're working from home or whether you're going into work, uh, just continuing to be safe and just kind of kicking ass in the new year. Yeah. Do you have any other goals for uh, 2021? Yeah. I mean, I you know, in, in two weeks, kind of a little tease, we're planning on having a really special guest on the show. I don't really know if he can talk. I don't know what he sounds like. Yeah. I don't know if he's a dragon. Yeah. Uh, but good friend of the show. He's on the Discord, Nintai, also known as Eric. He's going to be joining us to kind of talk about our plans for 2021 as it relates to gaming specifically, you, you know, how we're just going to structure the games that we're planning to play in the new year. Uh, and then, of course, next week, we're going to do our most anticipated games yeah. for 2021. And those are just games that are specifically, obviously, releasing in the next in this year. But I think on that episode, I'll go into a little bit more detail in terms of resolutions. I don't know. I mean, for gaming wise, just a kind of high level, it's just going to be more focusing on backlog stuff just because with the house, with the security system, with a number of other home ownership expenses, like Lauren and I are definitely going to be cutting back significantly on our spending and $70 game. That's not cheap, you know? So I'm definitely gonna have to be picky choosy with the games that I end up buying next year but also just taking an honest look at my shelf and saying like, what has been sitting there for months or potentially years that I haven't gotten to? And, you know, hopefully getting back into streaming uh, whenever that ends up being helps a little bit with that. But I think also more than anything, I say getting back into streaming, but also just prioritizing my personal life, my marriage, the things that are the most important, you know, as much as I love this podcast and box office bliss and future community game nights and Twitch, it's a lot. Yeah. And it re- requires a lot of um, your attention and mental energy to channel that stuff. But I think it also comes down to balancing that stuff and the things that are most important. And that's your family. Yeah, no, I, I see that episode 100 is a good place for you to break up with me <laughs> on the podcast. We weren't going to really get to that just... until the end of the episode. But uh, I mean, if you really well, want to break the news now, we can we can I talk about it, it, Ryan. Let me just caress your inner thigh real quick. Yeah, OK. Stay, stay in your chair on yeah. your side of the desk. But no, I mean, I'm not trying to get too sappy, but I think 2021, I just kind of want to get back to what is most important while also still pouring my heart and soul into the projects that I love. But at the end of the day, these are hobbies. These are not my first priority. Yeah. You know, I I completely agree. Um, Backlog too. I mean, this year we'll get into the games we've completed and stuff. I completed 17 games, but a majority of them were uncompleted or just me going through a portion and I think backlog would be a great place to start. Mm-hmm. There's some big titles coming out in 2021 which we'll talk about next week, but yeah, we have some deep backlogs and I have your entire shelf worth of games to potentially go through as well. Yeah, exactly. Besides Resident Evil. Well, we're we're going <laughs> to Resident Evil it's going to be the year that you beat Resident Evil 4. We'll get to that uh, eventually. But. We'd we'd have to do catch co-op yeah. or something, but yeah. We can make that happen. Okay. Yeah, but I think that's enough life stuff, Ryan, and resolutions. little light on the resolutions. Again, we'll talk more about that when we have Nintai on in a couple weeks. Uh, both gaming, maybe some life stuff. We'll, we'll, t- we'll talk. Don't, don't even worry about it. We'll get to it eventually. But, Ryan, as we also always do, before we get into the Game of the Year discussion, on Otaku Brothers, we always talk about the games that we have been playing recently. You been playing much this week? I have played a lot because I have no work to do. Um, I've only played one game, I think, last time... 
I was talking about wanting to platinum Dark Souls and Bloodborne and kind of go through the series. Mm -hmm. And I think two weeks ago, I platinumed Dark Souls 3. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten to, last week, one trophy left in Bloodborne, but I was avoiding it because I was angering or making my dog scared at my rage. (laughs) So... I went to a nicer, happier game, which is Dark Souls 1. Oh, gosh. What a delight that Yeah, is. and I started the week with 40% complete. I had just done one run through, and there were a lot of trophies that you had gotten that I had missed, like the covenants and things. Um, so what I did was, I don't feel, I was going more like the any percent route, which I don't care if I duplicate souls, because I'm just trying to get trophies at this point. And I went through three run-throughs of the game to get all trophies except for one. So I'm now gone from 40% to 97% complete. Good for you, man. You're almost there. Yeah. And then before the OSU game yesterday, or before we went over to the parents, I was trying to finish out or grind out the final trophy. And I got to Anna Orlando... And there, on my first, it requires three run-throughs, so New Game, New Game Plus, and New Game Plus 2. Jeez. To complete all of the weapons. But luckily on the last one, you only need uh, one boss, just for his soul. Mm-hmm. And I got to Anna Orlando, and there's that knight who shoots the arrows at you. Do you remember? You oh, run yeah. up there, and then he's just that dick who's mm-hmm. sitting there shooting the arrows that push you off. Yeah. I ran up and got shot off like 10 times in a row. And it's a pretty long run from the bonfire at Gwendolyn's uh, fire. You have to corkscrew the bridge up and then run a few ways. We can get a whiteboard out and draw the map if you want. Yeah, if you really want, just I can uh, talk you through the entire (laughs) map of Van Orlando. Virtually hold everyone's hand and guide them to the end, right? So you walk up 64 stairs at a pace of one stair Let's talk about the Pokemon Shinies, too. Let's bring it on. So, um, dude, I I just rage quit. I... After dying 10 times in a row to just a regular enemy, not even a freaking boss, mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do just take a break, watch some car crash videos and like some Gosh, fail videos. What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'll eventually get back to Dark Souls 1. I, I'm not sure what I want to play next. Um, Shadow of the Colossus is kind of eating away at me. Um there's a few other games that I haven't completed. Final Fantasy VII's a big undertaking. I also want to do ukulele, but that it's just one trophy away from a platinum. And yeah. it's like I don't know if it was your influences or Blink's influence, but I want that damn platinum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm getting so close, and like I, I started grinding out Demon Souls as well. I think end of last week, maybe some of the this week. And I think I'm like 40, 50% in that, maybe even 60%. And then 97% in Dark Souls 1, 92% in Bloodborne, fuck Dark Souls 2. Yeah. And Sekiro's like 64%. So I'm like, I'm making a good amount of progress. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll see. I think kind of kickstarting the year something a little lighter lighthearted something like ukulele would be really good for you yeah some of the plat or some of the trophies if you do end up going for the platinum are, are pretty challenging certainly like the minecart levels and just getting some of the collectibles you need to reference a guide and things like that yeah i think starting out with something lighthearted like ukulele and then maybe getting into a final fantasy yeah when's the i, I was also looking at ori 
Mm Because watching Blinkstream, which was a ton of fun, um, he had like 30 games up and I just snipped a picture. I was like, these look like interesting games. Like there was one about a moon or named Moon something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just unique non-AAA games, kind of more off the beaten path. Blink's a great resource for great games that are not AAA. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'll probably pick up Ori, the first one, because you were saying that the story kind of continues. Uh, it's my understanding, yeah. So I can get, kind of get into the games that I've been playing, which kind of gets into Ori and the Blind Forest as well, uh, assuming that's all your games, Ryan. Yes, that's all my games. Okay, cool. So this week, I continued making progress in Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, because I think last week I was talking about how I really wanted to play a few different games to see or revisit a few different games to see where they ranked among my top 10 games of the year. Yeah. And so for Xenoblade, I did make a little bit more progress. I don't want to go into the finer details of where I'm at and how much progress I did make. I kind of want to just save that for the game of the year discussion. Okay. Because it does come up there. So I'll kind of just leave it at that. (laughs) You know, we'll get to it when we talk about the game of the year. But I did enjoy my time with it going back and uh, just kind of exploring that world, doing some more side quests, some grinding, and just kind of making my way towards the end game. But other than Xenoblade Chronicles, I think, you know, I talked earlier in the episode about getting the security system installed, but leading up to that, I just was really stressed out and just kind of anxiety ridden. And so over the course of the past week and a half, I've just kind of been making my way through some comfort food stuff. Oh, very nice. And I figured, you know, talking to Blink about Platinum Trophies, and we were kind of just going through our lists of of games that we've played on PlayStation and saying like, oh, I was only just a few trophies away from getting the Platinum and game X, Y, and Z. And so I kind of did the same for myself. And uh, a series that's very near and dear to my heart is the Jack and Daxter trilogy on the PlayStation 2. Very nice. And I never really got deep into 2 and 3 just because they really went a completely different direction after Precursor Legacy, that first game, which is also one of my first PlayStation 2 games ever, getting for Christmas back in like 2002, I believe. But anyways, I re-downloaded the first game, Precursor Legacy, on PlayStation 5 because I was really only about five or six trophies away from getting the Platinum, and those were largely just due to uh, one level that I hadn't explored. There were two kind of story-specific trophies I needed there, and then just collecting a bunch of Precursor orbs and stuff like that. So I got the Platinum in that game, and then I proceeded to also finish 2 and 3, getting the Platinum in 2, and nearly getting it in 3, but 3, there's just some uh, collecting stuff that I just didn't do but all in all trophies aside those are just really great games to to play i think they hold up tremendously well especially one precursor legacy is still in my opinion one of the best 3d platformers ever because it really just stays to the roots and bare bones of 3d platforming you have your double jump you have your spin attack and that's really it two and three really introduce like guns and all kinds of crazy hovercrafts and vehicles and stuff and and one just i love it for its simplicity oh cool and for those that haven't played it i mean you can download it on ps4 or ps5 for that matter uh probably for like 10 15 ish bucks i'm not really sure but it's just so strange playing something like jack and daxter a game that came out 19 well i guess this will be its 20th anniversary this year oh wow 20 years ago on a playstation 5 it just feels weird playing a ps2 game on there you addressed, oh, I got two Platinums and almost Platinum the third game so freaking casually. Well, <laughs> it's you know. It's ridiculous. Mm. But, yeah, th- that's one of the platforms platformers that I would like to play eventually. I think you'd really like it, and the music is so good. Obviously, you kind of go back to the roots of Naughty Dog in a post-Crash uh, Bandicoot era before getting into games like 
Uncharted and the last. I mean, to think that Naughty Dog made something like Jack and Daxter and then went on to make something as divisive and intense as The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Or as successful as like Uncharted. Yeah. Like four games in a row. Yeah, five. I mean, if you count Lost Legacy, I uh, mean, they didn't make true. Golden Abyss on Vita. That was Ben Studios that went on to make Days Gone. But but yeah, it's, it's nuts to see, I mean, really any developer... Just the progression of their game development. You look at someone like Gorilla that made the Killzone games that goes on to make Horizon. Sucker Punch that does something like Sly Cooper then goes on to make Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Uh, it's just really interesting. Slightly different. Yeah, so hopefully... Um, well, at least I'm hoping that if it's not Naughty Dog, because I don't think they'll ever return to Jack and Daxter, I would love for someone like Blue Point or even Toys for Bob, the people that did the Spyro Remastered Trilogy and the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy to do a similar treatment for the Jack and Daxter trilogy because be cool. while they still hold up really well, they definitely show their age graphically and some of the camera movements can be really wonky. Mm. And so I think a remaster would really do those games justice and would just put them in the hands of a new generation of people and people that really just never gave that series its fair shot, especially two and three. Okay. I, there's a new Crash game out, right? Yeah, Crash have, 4. Have you um, played that one? I haven't. I mean, the Crash Bandicoot series was never really my cup of tea. Okay. I played one and two a little bit. Uh, my mom's boyfriend, I think, had a couple of the games on his PlayStation when I was growing up. And then my favorite one was on the PS2. Looking back, I think that Christmas, I literally got Crash Bandicoot, Wrath of Cortex, Jack and Daxter 1, and like GTA 3. I think those are like the first three games wow. I got on my PS2. Uh, Wrath of Cortex was actually a really great platformer. It kind of took things from like the later Spyro games where they introduced different playable characters, all kinds of flying stuff, like outside of just the dragon stuff, like you were in that, like a hovercraft weird thing. And um, they didn't, they went some different directions, but it was still a really fun platformer that had kind of more open 3d environments as opposed to just those kind of 2d side-scrolling levels that you were accustomed to playing in the crash bandicoot games and the load times were just atrocious but all of that to say no i haven't played crash 4 it's not really something i'll probably get around to just because i i don't have that affinity for crash the character mm -hmm. or those games i'm just always i've always been more of a spiral character which looking back i think that's probably where my love of the color purple probably stems from Spyro? Yeah, just because he's such a cute little purple dragon. Yeah. That and my grandma, her her favorite color is purple. And so that those two things probably had a, a large influence in, in my love for the color, I guess. You should get it like a Spyro poster or like spray painted onto your wall. Or cool. just a Spyro tattoo on my face. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Next to your teardrops that you're going to get. <laughs> that would be No, I nice. think the only time I played Crash was in uh, Uncharted 4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But besides that, I haven't really played any of those Naughty Dog platformers. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Insane Trilogy, because it's currently on the PlayStation Plus collection oh, on PS5, cool. I've considered downloading it just to... For kinda, free? Or? Yeah. I mean, free in the terms of PlayStation Plus. Yeah, I'm paying you know. $60 a year for free. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you can download that there, and probably worth it. Okay. But I mean, otherwise, I think Jack and Daxter is probably the, the best place to start, especially if, you know, maybe instead of ukulele, you do and go, you do download something like Jack and Daxter and play that. Yeah, it's something to consider. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, back to the point about Ori and the Blind Forest, it's a game series that I've always had an interest in. I downloaded the first game on the Switch, the Definitive Edition, about a year ago. 
And then I think when it first was it first came to Switch because it was originally Moon Studios. Yeah, I think there was a sale that you grabbed it at. Yeah, and Moon Studios is kind of a Xbox exclusive developer. Mm-hmm. And so Lauren has expressed interest in the game after seeing a lot of people through her uh, Instagram community talk about uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which of course is the second game that came out this year, and just all of the buzz surrounding that game with the Game Awards and Twitter and everything else. The soundtrack's phenomenal. And so what I ended up doing, because there was a Steam sale, is downloading it on Steam because she's primarily a Switch person. Yeah. And I said, well, why don't you just play it on my Switch and then I will play it on PC. Cool. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, that's something that I'll kind of sink my teeth into. I'm always into platformers. The music in that game's incredible. And it just seems like such a beautiful world to explore. So that's probably in the next few weeks to kick off 2021. I'll be playing that. And, you know, I've tossed about I've tossed and turned about playing Final Fantasy seven remake and the pathless and things of that nature. But I kind of just need you're going to hear comfort food a lot in this episode. And I needed a comfort food kind of JRPG to get lost in, but also something that was familiar. And so I'm going back to play Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. okay, or kind of the remastered game that was, of course, on the Xbox 360, uh, I guess, two generations ago now, because it is a game that. Friends of the show, Zach and Chronolink91 of the Tarkaron show, they are, both of them and myself played that game eight years ago uh, when I was, gosh, in college at the time, but was at that internship up in Cleveland, and we did a podcast together, and we thought, how cool would it be eight years later to replay the game, the definitive edition, and then kind of reunite and talk about our thoughts eight years later. And so that's what we're going to kind of do here in probably another month or two. And uh, definitely looking forward to that, but also just looking forward to revisiting that game with just such a memorable cast of characters. I love the battle system in the Tales of games, and they always have a delightful soundtrack there too. So looking forward to revisiting that. I played a little bit last night, and over the next few weeks, I'm looking forward to playing more. Very cool. But enough of the games that we have been playing recently, Ryan. We have to get to the main topic of the show, the main reason why we are here today. Yes, let's do it. To talk about our favorite games of the year, something Ryan and I always love doing. We're big list people. We love making spreadsheets. We love listing out all the games we plan to play, the good intentions we have, uh, the intentions we fail to follow through on, and then uh, the great big old list of games we end up beating. Yes. And so that's what we want to talk about today. We have so many submissions from the listeners about the games that they beat and the five unique categories that they ended up selecting for those games. But Ryan, before we actually get into our top 10 list, we have some honorable mentions to get to, maybe some fun factoids about the list. Yeah. What do you have to share for the good people? So as far as my genres played, I have five. Okay. I have the main two, which are action RPGs, which I played, I guess overall I've played and beaten 17 games. Okay. And then played and not beaten 23 games. So is 23 and 17 the two separate numbers then? Those are two separate things. Yeah, so I played, what, nine extra games that I didn't beat on top of the... Oh, okay. Or, I, I didn't no, know if it six. was... Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if it was 40 total. Okay. No, no, no. It's 17 beaten games and then 23, so additional total. six total. It's kind of weak, but okay. Yeah, it is. Lauren's catching up pretty quick. Um, so within the 17 that I've beaten... Seven of those are action RPGs, mm. which I'd can like a D- Dark Souls, Demon Souls, that kind of stuff. And then six of them are platformers. 
Hell yeah. And that has to do with your like foxy land, like golden knights or all those like midnight Peasant cube. knight. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Oh yeah, midnight deluxe. Get that Yeah, and then trophy. the next one is down to just twos and ones. So two action adventure, one simulation, Animal Crossing, oh, yeah. obviously, and then one roguelike with Hades. Good stuff. And then going into release dates, the majority of what I played this year are actually released in 2020. So Good I for have, you. That was not the case for me. I have eight out of 17. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. So what about you? Yeah, typically for my list that I break down on my spreadsheet, I have it by obviously the game that I beat, the system I beat it on, uh, the month beaten, year released, and the genre. I'm not going to go down all of that rigmarole stuff. Just looking at the list now, it looks like I beat a large majority of my games in January and then towards the tail end of the year, November, December, just because of that's just kind of the time I have off of work most of the time yeah. and okay. and just kind of getting sinking my teeth into lots of games. But I won't go down the genres. It looks like I did kind of have a balance between platformers and then action adventure games and cool. action RPGs. Those are kind of the two to three different genres that I probably spent the bulk of my time in over the course of the year. I ended up beating 37 games, which wow. Actually, if I go back to 2018, I'm not going to pull it up. I think 2018 I beat similar to the number of games you played this year. It was like 25, 26 or something like that. And then in 2018, I don't know what was going on, but I ended up beating like 40, 50 games or something like something like that. Wow. Um so kind of came in somewhere in the middle this year. Obviously, I had plenty of time just sitting at home playing video games, but if you look down the list, I think it was <clears throat> like 31 or 32 PlayStation-related games, whether it was 3, 4, 2, or 5, I guess, uh, across the board, and then 5 Switch games and 1 Xbox 360 game. And really, I've kind of summarized my whole year in gaming in a couple of different ways, and <clears throat> you know, I had obviously had the opportunity to play a number of great new releases, as yeah. we'll get to. Many of them ended up making my way, making their way into the top ten. And then, just because of the year we were dealt, I felt like I really needed to do two things. One, just playing a lot of comfort food games, revisiting favorites of mine. Like I played through the entirety of the Uncharted trilogy, I, or the first three games. Obviously, there's four plus Lost Legacy. I played through recently this past two weeks the entirety of the Jack and Daxter trilogy. Replayed a lot of Kingdom Hearts 1 on Twitch. Just things that, to me, bring me a lot of joy and peace of mind, given the pandemic, the social unrest, the homeownership stress, just all of those yeah. things. Just kind of, I needed something to kind of escape, and those games did a great job in doing that. And then on the other side of things, I needed a lot of worlds to really get lost in and explore. And I found that in playing Far Cry 5, Far Cry Primal, Far Cry 3 Remastered, Xenoblade Chronicles, Witcher 3, those vast open worlds that I could get lost in, played a little bit of Skyrim on Switch in the onset of the pandemic, just things like that kind of really sp took the bulk of my time. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I think it was a nice balance of revisiting old favorites, playing things in my backlog. I think Twitch had a tremendous influence in, and playing games that have kind of been sitting on the shelf or I've downloaded on my PlayStation or Switch that I just never got a chance to play. And so I think Twitch kind of helped kick me in the pants and was like, hey, play games that not only people want to see, but also games that you really have a big desire to play. So do you think you're going to be continuing that trend of going through full series moving into next year? <clears throat> I mean, Uncharted, you have all of the Jack and Daxter, mm. and then... 
you listed one other one. Yeah, I mean, Kingdom Hearts. I don't know. I, I think it's... We don't know how 2021 is going to go down. So <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably be another comfort food. Yes, year, but I mean, for me, whether it's work-related, it's home ownership, there's just a lot of st- stressors in my life right now. Yeah. Um, so I think I always have something on the back burner to pull from, whether it is the Kingdom Hearts or new super lucky tales of the world, something that kind of just brings me back to earth a little bit, you know, and yeah. at least in the video game space. But I also think, as we kind of talked about earlier in the episode, that 2021 is going to be a big year to focus on my backlog, playing games like God of War, potentially going back to Death Stranding, mm-hmm. things that have kind of just been sitting on my shelf that I want to kind of clean the plate a little bit before looking forward into getting a Series X or the ridiculous number of games that are supposed to come out of the PlayStation 5 this year. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. But Ryan, enough about our little factoids. That's about all I have here. Why don't we get into some of our honorable mentions? I heard you had a couple. Yes, I do. So I think the first one, um, because I'm going for the Platinum and it's the first time I beat it this year, uh, Dark Souls 1 is one of my honorable mentions. Very nice. Um, It's a good time. It's done a good job to piss me off. (laughs) Uh, with the Beta Chaos being just a horrible boss, but just iconic for being probably the worst boss in the entire series. Mm-hmm. Um, playing a bit this morning, and it, it's just a good time. And to see where it's come from now, the Demon Souls remastered release, and playing some of the original on PS3, to and understanding where the series started and how it progressed to Dark Souls 1, and then playing through the entire series this year. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of nods to Demon Souls and even in Dark Souls 3 to Dark Souls 1. So I, I think that has to be on my honorable mentions. And then another one is Random Heroes Golden Edition. Oh, hell yeah. One of the uh, platformers. I had a lot of fun. There's a lot of characters to collect, a lot of fun levels. Um, yeah, it's one of those kind of easy platinum games. Oh, yeah. But it, it's... A ton of fun and i played it outside of post platinum ryan yeah you know i didn't even add any of those games to the games that i played or beat this year if i had the the easy platinum list going i probably would have had 40 40 to 50 games maybe on the list of beats this for the you know over the course of the year yeah uh, but random heroes definitely was a standout it had a kind of a kick-ass synth soundtrack and you did collect a lot of characters which kind of made level to level uh playstyle a little bit unique yeah with a lot of different guns the one issue is the the cost for the end game guns were so freaking off the charts i think you get like maybe for the one of the bosses for one of the worlds i think you maybe got like 150 coins and it was like sixty thousand coins for some of the guns at the end well, the saving so, grace with that is that you only have to beat like the first 15 levels to get the platinum trophy. Yeah, this is like, yeah, I, I beat all the worlds, but even the final world grinding the like last boss, it's you have to grind for like hours. And I'm like, eh, I'm good. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I, I mean, Peasant's Night is kind of where we started. Yeah. At, which was like pre-recording. I can't beat this level. Um, and then I, I think I had four of those, but... Yeah, that, and I think the last one I had was Last of Us Part 2. As an um, honorable mention, not even in your top 10? No, no. Wow. Um, I'm not a huge fan of horror games. Um, I, I really liked the first game, The Last of Us Part 1, yeah. but 
I, I some of the combat issues that I had with like the melee and it just being frustrating mm-hmm. without the ability to lock on. Um, the overall kind of mechanics of clickers and stuff was really good. Um, I, I, I think the story was the thing that brought it down for me. Is, is the <clears throat> the pacing or the arc of it? Yeah, doesn't make sense from a storytelling perspective. Um, but th- that's not to say it's a shitty game. It's just it didn't resonate with me because of how plot should be written. You know, I kind of figured that was the case. I mean, it definitely fell on my list quite a bit more than after playing it that it couldn't be topped for my game of the year. Yeah. You know, when I first played it, I was like, this is definitely going to be my game of the year. Uh, to that point, it was probably my most anticipated game of the year. But in a year that was 2020, that game was just so defeating and so exhausting to play mentally and emotionally that it really fell down a few numbers on my list just because when I look back, it was like, and and not that my list should be or a game should be valued or ranked on the merits of its replayability or like, let's go play that again. But at the same time, in a year like we had, it fell a couple notches because I played other games that just gave me so much life. Well, it's uh, comparing to another single player story like God of War, where that game I could see myself going back in, and there wasn't a time where it felt really freaking slow. Mm-hmm. But there was, I mean, looking back at it, I, I think at the time I was like, oh, cool. I mean, I can get past this, like the, the halfway point spoilers. For Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a quick thing. I mean, Ryan and I, we're talking about games like Ghost of Tsushima. We're talking about games like The Last of Us Part Two. I, I, I would say just be mindful that there probably be light spoilers so or heavy spoilers just because of the nature of the discussion. So we're yeah. going to do our best to say like, hey, we're going to talk about spoilers for a minute or two. So just be mindful of that. Did you know in Animal Crossing, Tom Nook returns? Holy shit, spoiled everything. Yeah, so just just know that going in. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'll do my best with timestamps, but that's just the nature of a game of, year, game of the year discussion. Yeah, but but I, I think my main issue was like God of War, you had a, a steady walk to the climax of the, like the final fight, and then it kind of tailed off with like, hey, here's... Not spoilers, but a tease for the next game kind mm-hmm. of thing. In Last of Us, it was you hit your halfway point at like 10 hours, and then it, you start at ground zero Yeah, again. And then you get to the climax, and then you have to start another three-hour journey off to the West Coast. And like, if the end three hours of the game feel like a slog that I just want to get through. Like, I stayed up until like 3.34 in the morning, because I'm like, I just want this to end to know what happens. Like, the last three hours was kind of what pushed it really far down my list. That's fair, dude. Yeah. No, I, I kind of figured it wasn't going to be very high on your list, and uh, it's not too surprising that it didn't even make it. So, yeah. so. it what is about what you? it is. What are your uh, honorable mentions? Yeah, my honorable mentions are just, man, some of the best times I had in games, and it's just a testament to the year that we had as it relates to video games and the games that I specifically played that these three probably could have made it on my top ten. And at one point, some of them were. Uh, my third honorable mention, we're coming in at number three. This is the list is neither here nor there in terms of ranking, but is Donkey Kong Country. Okay, this cool. is a game that I streamed. Obviously, held in such high regard on the Super Nintendo. <coughs> David Wise composes 2D platformer, just kind of a flagship franchise for the Super Nintendo, and then eventually Donkey Kong Country returns on the Wii and now Tropical Freeze. But I had such a great time playing this game because. 
it's really not that difficult of a platformer, but there's just a few particular levels that can give you a really tough time if you yeah. didn't grow up playing these games. And so it was such a fun game to stream because I had people like Blink and Sprite, uh, Blink's partner, and and she is a tremendous fan of the game because she grew up playing it. And so she was almost kind of coaching me through some of these levels. And just a number of Blink's friends were kind of coaching me through the levels to the point where I was like finding out that you there was a run button in the game. Yeah. You know, just certain things like that. Uh, getting through one of the minecart levels, which was, yeah. was such an iconic moment for me streaming, but also just... A, a gaming accomplishment, if you will. And then the fake out moment on the final boss, King K. Roll, was one of the most infuriating moments. But looking back, such a memorable moment for me in the year that was 2020. I, you know, just looking back at it, just being able to laugh at myself for for thinking I defeated the boss. And then there was the fake out credits. And then he throws the crown at you. And then I died. And I was kind of just like, fuck this game. Yeah. You know, and, and the clip the clip's out there on my Twitch channel, too. You can go look at it. It's like the fake out of the millennium or whatever. But I had a really great time with it, and it's definitely something I'm very much looking forward to doing uh, when I go back to Twitch is playing Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3 and okay. kind of making that a, a regular thing for my channel in terms of playing through that series and eventually making my way through Donkey Kong Country Returns on Wii and then Tropical Freeze on the Switch. Is that where you recommend getting into the series? Because... I know we have that like family plan for the Switch where you can play all those back games. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend Donkey Kong Country to as a place to start or Yeah, I, I think so. I mean I think going back to the humble beginnings is definitely the best place, especially just to see how brilliantly composed David Wise's music was thirty mm-hmm. odd years ago. Is Donkey Kong Country the one that's on was there a port to the Game Boy Advance? Yeah, I mean, Donkey Kong Country is on Game Boy Color. You can get it on Game Boy Advance. I have the Game Boy Advance cart. I think I might have gotten that from Zach and Alec. Or I might have bought it at the the store near us, but... Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to play one of the, some of those games. And then you have the Switch game as well, right? Yeah, Tropical Freeze. One, so. Yep. Yeah, definitely worth playing that, that series for sure. Uh, number two is a remaster that I never thought was possible, especially for current generation consoles, maybe for like the PS3 360 era, but that's SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. (laughs) That was such a fun game to revisit because I have very fond memories playing licensed games in general growing up, but Battle for Bikini Bottom is a very standout game that I remember playing at my cousin's house, specifically on the GameCube, but I had it on the PS2 eventually, and they did a terrific job remastering it. It was fun going back to those levels and just the nostalgia I have for watching Spongebob growing up. There's just a lot of subtle nods to actual episodes, but then just seeing the cast of characters like Sandy, Patrick, Squidward, Plankton, Spongebob himself, it was really fun to play through that game. And thankfully, it was a relatively easy platinum to get to, just collecting all of the random golden spatulas and things of that nature. It just made for a great game to play in 2020 when I kind of needed a little uh, infusion of nostalgia. Yeah, no, you were super excited to get that one. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad that game came out this year. And then my last honorable mention is a game that you and I actually played together. I it's For anyone that's listened to Otaku Brothers, you know how challenging it's been for me and how much I love the series to get Ryan into Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And so when we sat down and when I can kind of convince you, and this is when you and I were kind of really trying to practice social distancing because at the time it was... COVID was still such a foreign concept to us. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's just play something remotely and 
you know, obviously get mic'd up and play through something together. And you agreed because Resident Evil 5 was on sale for like five or six bucks on PSN. Yeah. And just playing through the entirety of that game with you. I mean, first of all, it's such a fun game to play co-op. But for someone that isn't into horror games and really isn't into Resident Evil and you still having such a great time, especially when we found this little electric <laughs> baton thing. Yeah. And we basically broke the game. Instead of using guns, we just used these... Beat the used shit out of everything with a lightsaber. <laughs> these little lightsaber things in the game. It was just so much fun. You and I were just laughing hysterically as we were playing through it. And I think it was definitely just another example of a game that we needed to play when we were kind of so down and not distraught, but just uncertain of the future with COVID. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to level with you. That's my number 10 game. Is it really? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think where, I don't know. I, I think the Resident Evils are more jank than like The Last of Us Part 2. But I, I think it's the couch co-op or social distancing co-op um, that kind of makes that game so much more fun. Or just the experience that we had. Yeah. Because we were losing it. Oh, yeah. Because we went into the, I went into the shop and I was like, what is this like baton thing? You're like, it's don't waste your money kind of thing yeah it was like 2k i grabbed it and then we i think it was one of the boating levels that we were going into different huts and i just started beating the crap out of people with these like two hit KOing these zombies yeah and we were like okay this is what we're gonna do so we like steamroll the entire game i don't think we were able to do it on the final boss but no the final boss is pretty intense it, it's ridiculous and I think that was a good starting point for me to, like, ease my way into Resident Evil. Um, it, it is pretty ridiculous with, like, I think he punched a boulder at the end after, yeah, I mean, like, we RPG'd a dude, like, 40 times. Yeah, I mean, Resident Evil 5 is more action game than it is horror. And so if there's, if there's ever an entry point into the series and you're not into horror games, 5 is a nice place to start if you have a, a buddy to play with. Yeah. And then maybe going back to playing like Resident Evil 2 Remake or 3 Remake or uh, 4, something of that nature. But I think for us, it was just a great co-op experience. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, And then I think we tried playing 2, but did we beat 2? Yeah, we beat... Um, we beat the 2 remaster, and then we tried going back to like 1 or something, and we lost like 3 hours worth of progress. Yeah, that was not... <laughs> That game doesn't really hold up really well without no. having a remake for it. But yeah, but that's my number 10 though. Nice, good stuff. Well, I guess yep. I can probably just kick things off with our 10. But before I do, just a reminder that we did get nearly 20 submissions for the five unique categories, the Community Otaku Brothers Game of the Year uh, little survey that I put out there. So what we're Ryan and I are going to do is we'll do 10 through 6, each of us, and then we'll read the first eight or nine submissions and then Ryan and I will read through five through uh, two. And then we'll do the last eight. Ryan and I will read our game of the year. We'll get into what we submitted for those five unique categories. And then we have a little special segment to celebrate the video game music that we were blessed with yes. in 2020. It's a good time. So should be really fun times for sure. Ryan, your number 10 was Resident Evil 5. Yes, it was. My number 10 was a game called Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Wow. Mentioned it earlier in the show that it was a game I recently went back to, and it's a game that I bought on the Wii. It's, I kind of mentioned it when I was talking about Zack and Chrono, but when I was on that internship back in 2012, Xenoblade Chronicles was kind of like 
a holy grail. It was like an ancient relic because not only was it an exhaustive effort to have Operation Rainfall, these games come from Europe to the States. There was this ridiculous petition to get these games to come over, actually, where a ton of people were involved in getting these games coming to the States. It was Xenoblade Chronicles, The Last Story, and Pandora's Tower. I think that was the name of the game. Sounds I right. probably missed it. But anyways, I remember looking at all of my local GameStops because... I think it was the case where GameStop was like basically hoarding a whole ridiculous number of these games in a warehouse, and then they eventually said, oh, we printed more copies, but we're going to sell them for like 80 bucks or something stupid uh, like that. What assholes. Well, anyways, I was looking at all my local GameStops when I was up in Cleveland. I ended up driving an hour and a half out of my way to get this game, so it was a three-hour trip, and I never played it. <sighs> <laughs> but I'm kind of thankful I didn't because then they obviously remastered it for the Switch. And this is another example of a game that I just felt like it was such a great escape after work, going into Xenoblade Chronicles, getting lost in Colony 6, Colony 9, breathtaking graphics, uh, especially in Earthsea in particular. But it's such a beautiful game, Fun cast of characters. The combat system is really what kind of brought the game down for me. Yeah. You know, I mentioned that I got to a boss at the end of chapter 13, and I just for the life of me couldn't beat it. And then about two weeks ago, I went back, was able to beat that boss. But at this point in the game, I was like, I just want the game to end. Yeah. I just want to get to the end to see where this game comes to its conclusion. And I got to chapter 17, which is the final chapter. I got to basically an appetizer boss before the final boss got completely wrecked, way under-leveled, and there's just absolutely no way I'm going to spend 5 to 10 hours grinding in this game just to be able to beat the final boss. Do you know if you... I think you mentioned, is it a boss rush, or is it like back-to-back where you'd have to refight the first boss and then the final boss, or do you know? I don't think so. I mean, it's my understanding that this boss... I'll probably beat this boss... A couple story beats happen, and then the final boss is three different segments. Oh. So you basically have to beat the final boss three times. And I'm like, no, you know what? I had 65 beautiful hours with Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm not so prideful that it's a game that I feel like I need to beat. Because if I'm going to spend 10 hours grinding with a combat system that I really cannot get behind, Mm -hmm. at this point in the game, it, it kind of has a hot bar system similar to an MMO. And it's just not my cup of tea. And so grinding is just such an annoyance in the game. Uh, Playing through it, not really requiring grinding, playing on a casual mode, it wasn't that distracting. But at this point, it really is. And I don't want to ruin my enjoyment of the first 65 hours just to beat it. So I'll watch a clip, see the ending. Not that big of a deal. But my goodness, what an incredible soundtrack composed by the wonderful Yoko Shimomura, who, of course, does the Kingdom Hearts soundtrack, also composed the soundtrack for a game a bit higher on my list. And it's one of those weird things that, you know, everyone, I think, probably has a couple games where you hear a certain tune and you're kind of just sent right back in time to the first time you played that game, whether it's a childhood memory, something was going on in your life, and you can kind of put yourself in those childhood shoes of yours of when you first experienced that game and it's a soundtrack that i I listen to while i'm working kind of a relaxing (coughs) playlist of xenoblade chronicles music and when i hear the music of colony nine or 
Gower playing or the battle music or whatever it might be. And this is going to sound weird, so stick with me, but it reminds me of the pandemic in the sense that it helped me get through the stress of it. You know, it was a, it was kind of like one of those first games that I got lost in when we first heard about the pandemic, toilet paper shortages, (laughs) rushing to giant Eagle to get as much soup and whatever else I could get because I didn't know if the whole United States was going to be shut down. Yeah. You know, and so the music in that game just kind of helped bring me a sense of peace. Nice. So Xenoblade Chronicles, great game. If you haven't got it on the Switch, I think it's well worth the money. I mean, that game, people spend over 200 hours maxing out their character levels, doing all the side quests and all that good stuff. So So, did you pay attention to the story throughout? A little bit. I mean, it gets super over the top anime crazy at the end. I, I think, I mean, the premise is you're on two giant world robot things that are killing each other right so first of all bionis and nyanis or whatever and the mechonis, <laughs> you need the monado blade to bring peace to the world or whatever. yeah something like that but yeah i know still a great game and uh well worth the, the price of admission oh cool so where are you coming in at number nine ryan so my number nine is a game that came out or it's i think my second game that I, or third game that i played on the ps5 and it is miles morales that is my number nine. Oh, very nice so we can talk about this for sure then um, I, I think you beat it first and you were saying it really progressed on the way that it approached Spider-Man coming off of the 2018 game. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- we've talked about it while we were playing through it in the last couple episodes, but it, it's really a more streamlined approach to the kind of over-encumbered map system that they had in the original, um, yeah, I think as far as what it does with the progression system, it, it's, I don't know if I'd say flawless, but easily a 9 plus out of 10. Oh, yeah. Um, whereas the kind of the the first game with like the 40 different currencies was kind of more close to like 7, 8. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the best part about this game, besides just flying around the city. Oh, yeah. Um is the bromance between Miles Morales and Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of spoilers, I guess. But having Peter go away and get to see Miles Morales grow from just being bitten mm-hmm. and getting his first suit from Peter Parker as a gift into his full-fledged superhero throughout the course of the story and kind of understanding him as a hero and his environment his i guess his dad was in the first game but his mom and how everyone interacts i i I had a really good time with that Mm -hmm. and what pushes it down for me is kind of the villain yeah we don't have to get into the story beats but but yeah i I think overall it was just a great time Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of great banter between i don't know who your sidekick character is yankee yankee His, his best friend yeah um and then Yankee and Genki. Peter Parker and what? He's not a Yankee. He's a Genki. I mean, he's in New York, Genki? so he potentially is a Yankee yeah. fan. <laughs> the Confederates <laughs> and the Yankees. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the banter and the emotional appeal of all of the, kind of the side quests that you do to get the platinum, mm-hmm. they I don't know a place where it fell at anywhere. Yeah, no, I would tend to agree. I think it was a a terrific launch title for the PlayStation 5. 
especially when when it was first revealed i thought there wasn't a shot in the dark we were getting this game for at least another year and a half you know yeah and i think that's a testament to the game's length it does kind of feel like a spider-man one and a half but that's in no way diminishing the greatness of the game because i had such a great time and i think i would much prefer because i've been playing through spider-man remastered kind of the streamlined approach to collectibles not to say that i didn't have a hell of a time pumping 80 plus hours into the original spider-man running around the map clearing all the crimes the warehouses and such but you know i I really enjoyed my time with miles morales i thought he was absolutely one of the most standout characters in the 2018 game they really established his character in such a way where you were left wanting more yeah and i feel like going from that game to miles they did an outstanding job further developing his character making me appreciate him and love him more and then making me so excited to see what spider-man 2 has in store for us and i hope that while that will probably be peter parker's game I hope Miles is still front and center and involved with the events of what goes on. Yeah, and I, it, it makes me wonder. I, I'm sure they're not going to have, like, pick a playable character. Like, either no. Miles or Peter. Mm-hmm. They'll have a set plot. But, I mean, similar to the first game where we introduced to Miles, we'll have switching chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I, I'd love to see more team-ups. Because I think this one was kind of, hey, let's grow Miles up as a character because we kind of teased him in the first game but i the where it shines is the team ups yeah and if we can do that fighting the kind of teased villain for the second spider-man mm-hmm. that would be a ton of fun yeah no i agree completely i mean the other two things i want to quickly mention is just a super kick-ass soundtrack yeah. really really great especially every time miles just hops up and starts swinging around you have this awesome kind of beat drop kind of r&b hip-hop stuff going on and then graphically, so impressive. And then flying around New York in 60 frames is one of the best things ever. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And they really distinguish the character between Peter and Miles with their soundtracks. Oh, yeah. It's it's a completely different R&B feel that I didn't know I wanted in a Spider-Man game, but I definitely really enjoyed. And they don't make Spider-Man feel the same. I mean, just combat-wise as well. Oh, yeah. The, the bioelectricity really gives a flair to the combat that I'm curious how they're going to make up on Peter Parker's side because we're now used to this really cool approach to combat that not Peter not that Peter Parker's lame but he needs some new addition to make him progress. Oh, I'm sure Insomniac has some ideas in store. Yeah. They'll yeah. they'll he'll be shooting lightning. He'll turn into Palpatine <laughs> in the that? next game. Yeah. Yeah, so Good stuff, man. That's a great number nine. I'm glad we kind of came in uh, at the same spot there. So, well, then what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is, I mean, you. we've been talking about comfort food games for, I mean, most of 2020. But um, this one definitely came towards the end of the part of the year, and it is Super Mario All-Stars. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think I've mentioned it probably like a hundred times on this, but Mario Sunshine is my favorite Mario game. Mm-hmm. And I, I have so much nostalgia from this game. It's hard for anything to top it. Just with Flood flying around, the mobility of that game is amazing. Um, it, it's a pretty old game. I think it came out 2002. Mm, yeah, it's a early GameCube game. Yeah, I'm not sure. but... Yeah, no, I, I going back and playing through and nearly completing, I'm, I'm still a few Shine Sprites off. 
I want to say I'm like one or two, but nearly finishing uh, Mario Sunshine was a ton of fun for me. It came at a perfect time um, throughout the year, and I'm, I'm excited to play Galaxy. I played a little bit. Um, I didn't want to rush and kind of diminish the, uh, I guess, playing through it you want to right after back-to-back. But yeah, I Mario Sunshine... I, I've talked about it forever, but yeah, it was a great time. Good, man. Well, I'm glad that came out. I think a lot of people, you know, Nintendo didn't have the quantity of games they had in previous years, but I certainly think they came in with the quality of their games. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the one downside to that was the limited run of copies. Like it's out for six months and then we'll never produce yeah, it again. I don't know what the deal is with that. I wonder if that's going to stand, but yeah, get your copies, people, because end of March, they're pulling it from shelves for whatever reason. Yeah. But, but yeah, hopefully they can renew the uh, the Mario license, you know, Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to buy it from them. Yeah. But uh, good stuff, man. My number eight is a game that I streamed around the summertime, and that is Heavy Rain. Oh, Jason! <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if this game would have hit home as much if I didn't stream it, just because no. it was so suspenseful, so intense, very story-focused crazy QTEs that playing on stream was definitely a little uh, mind-boggling, definitely stressful because not only do I not want certain people to die as a result of failing the QTE moment, yeah. but you have all these people watching you that are expecting you to, I guess, potentially fail, but hoping that you probably don't, you know? Yeah, that uh, power plant where with all the electrical wires oh, my word. was the nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and especially for someone like myself that hadn't had any of this game spoiled even though it came out what nine years ago back in 2011 or something like that Mm -hmm. and then knowing that blink and sprite and a number of others were not only such fans of the game but they knew what could or could not potentially happen as a result of my decisions yeah and it's no secret that i love these story focused games where you have multiple branching paths you have such a heavy hand in directing where your characters end up and who ends up surviving I'm obviously a big fan of Walking Dead, recently playing Life is Strange, things of that nature. So I had such a great time with it. I was relatively pleased with where things ended up, characters that ended up surviving, those that did end up dying. But I think just seeing the actual reveal, and I won't go into it because those that haven't played it, I don't want to spoil it, but just trying to piece together all the clues of the origami killer. No, it was a ton of fun. I, I really enjoyed watching your stream, um, trying to figure it out, because that an unexpected turn, I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah, and the moment that it happened, I mean, my my reaction was so genuine that friend of the show, Frantic, actually went back and clipped <laughs> my reaction yeah. and made emotes yeah. of my reaction. It's so cool that my genuine reaction that was captured of like, oh my goodness, this is what's going on ended up becoming two Twitch emotes and now two emotes that you can use in the Discord. Yeah. No, it, it was a ton of fun to watch you play through that. Um, I'm glad you did the QTEs because I don't think I'd be able to play that, but it was definitely a fun stream game. Yeah, definitely a memorable experience. And I'm looking forward to playing uh, Beyond Two Souls and what's the other one with Jesse? Uh, what's his face from Grey's Anatomy? Your guess is way better than mine. The only Jesse I know is Breaking Bad. I can't remember, but I'm sure all the listeners are screaming at their uh, their phones or their radio stations right now. Yeah, we'll That's edit right. this in post. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll pretend like we know things in post. 
It'll come to me. But Ryan, what was your number seven? <laughs> My number seven is a game that you will never play and you hated your experience, and that was Sekiro. Mm, mm-hmm. um, game of the year, 2019. I picked it up when it originally came out, and holy crap, did I... It's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it was so different from what I was used to that the pain and misery inflicted on me was exponential. Yeah. Um, Detroit Become Human. Oh, okay. Sorry, who's going to kill me? I think that was a PS or PlayStation game recently, too. Yeah, it's on the PS Plus collection. Yeah. Um, so similar to Detroit, uh, Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> Basically the same game. Yeah. It, I mean, I didn't enjoy my time when I originally played it, and w- which was disheartening because I saw the potential and I loved the series so far that them changing up their formula. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, what are you doing to me, man? Like, I, I want to love this. Let me love you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but after taking a year break and going back and kind of understanding that the problem is not the game, it's me. Oh, yeah, we know that. Yeah, it's, dude, for the number of times I've heard that one. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not so much a dodge game, it's a rhythm game. And Mm. if you approach it similar to the Avicii game that we played, where it's like you're jumping over stuff to the beat, that's all it is. Um, It's very different than, um, I, I think the other game that kind of plays that same way is Star Wars fallen order Mm -hmm. it's basically a harder version of that and a more refined version of that um, which is why i wanted you to play sekiro after fallen order eventually because you kind of already understand the thing Mm -hmm. i'm gonna fail at convincing you to do that but yeah i'll I'll play uh sekiro about the same time you finish resident evil 4 promise pinky swear all right dude i'll give me your game today and i'll (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know if that can be considered a comfort food game for yeah. me. Um, yeah, no, I I think eventually getting through the game and kind of once you have that click, it's amazing. Um, and similar to all of the Dark Souls game, I'm not going to ramble on. I feel like Dark Souls is becoming my Pokemon, but yeah, <laughs> dude, just just lie. <laughs> I, I think. The exploration into concepts like immortality that they have an undertone with the Dark Soul or the Pygmy Lords or whatever in the Dark Soul series. And then their approach to it with these like bugs and the consequences that come along with immortality. Mm-hmm. It's just always an interesting concept similar to like what we were talking to off screen with time travel. Yeah. Um, but not to get too rambly secure is a good game it's just it takes the learning curve is detrimental to the game itself i think for a lot of people yeah no i would tend to agree but i also think it is something that i could potentially get a lot of enjoyment from after i beat resident evil 4 exactly yeah i just need to understand that or know that you've beaten that game before okay undertaking that I'll have to save a lot at some typewriters, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number seven is also a game that I streamed. Unfortunately, the tail end of it dipped out because of... I mean, I was literally at the very end, but I was having so much trouble with my computer and my capture card and all that good stuff. But it, it is a short hike. Okay. Played this on the Switch, and my goodness, what a lovely, 
little game this was and is that graphically resembles something like if Animal Crossing came out on the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. Just aesthetically, it kind of has that look. The dialogue seems something that was right out of the Mario and Luigi series, just super goofy and hilarious and all with just a beautiful soundtrack that kind of overlays your exploration of the island. And it's one of those things that it's super sweet and short and it only takes like maybe an hour and a half or two hours, but it's also something that I feel like I could boot up my Switch and similar to something like Skyrim, you're not really accomplishing anything when you go back to it, but just kind of wandering the world. And I think in the same vein, wandering around that island, maybe discovering a new little collectible that I didn't get the first time, talking to an NPC that I didn't talk to the first time, Mm -hmm. and getting so much joy out of it. Has a tearjerker ending in the happiest of ways. I, I cried a couple happy tears just because the ending is so lovely. The final song that plays, you're just overwhelmed with joy. Very nice. And just another game that was just so fitting to play in the year of 2020. And how long did that take you, or how long was that stream? A couple hours? I think it was ended up being like maybe two and a half hours because I did a unboxing at the end of it because I had oh. like 40 eBay packages to okay. <laughs> unbox or whatever. But yeah, definitely short and sweet. Well worth the price of admission. I think you can get this game for less than 10 bucks, and you definitely get your money's worth even though you only play it for like two hours. You'll have to take a look at that one. I think you'd like it. Thanks. Well, Ryan, we're getting, we're getting, we're running through these things, man. What is your uh, number yeah, six? Yeah, six. We're getting close to the top five. Um, this is a num- another game for me that it, it comes. Uh, the gameplay is awesome, but it's the experience while playing it that kind of boosts it on my list. And this is a game that we got on Switch. I want to say last year together, and then we played it like once or twice. Oh yeah, and then you stopped. Um, it, it's Monster Hen- Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. Nice. Um, coming off of, I think, the games of the decade, I had listed in our bracket uh, Monster Hunter World as just being amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of goes back one generation to the roots of the old style of gameplay. Yeah. Um, and and it, it was really hard for me to get used to playing this game after the luxury of Monster Hunter World. And I, I similar to Sekiro, I put it down for a long while. And uh, one day, Rick and Ben called me up and were like, hey, we're going to get you to the hardest monsters in the game, and we're going to grind out some armor. And I was like, fair enough. Let's yeah. do this. And, I mean, the, the concept of Monster Hunter, I've talked about it to death, so I don't want to bore you guys, but it, it's the the feedback loop or the loop of going out and killing these new monsters, 20 or 30 of them in this game. Um, some nostalgic for Monster Hunter World for me, kind of seeing their origins. Mm-hmm. And then seeing new ones um, that I had not played before. And playing with Rick and Ben, grinding out monsters. Rick has like 600 hours in the game. Ben has 400. And I'm coming in at like three when we started. So, um, yeah, I, I loved every minute. We ended up blasting through the first half of the game and then going through G rank or the hardest portion. And... I don't know how Capcom does it with all of these unique monsters, but uh, yeah, there someone is way cre- more creative than I am over there, yeah. and, and it gets me so excited because 
Monster Hunter Rise comes out this year, and it's going to be a combination of like the Generation Ultimate, which the is why I wanted to play this, kind of the older style and world, mm-hmm. some of those quality of life's uh, updates. Um, but I, I think it's a definitely a good deal, and uh, Monster Hunter Generation Ultimate, after the announcement of Rise, really had a um, influx of new players come nice. 2020. So. Worth getting into, worth playing. If you guys want to hunt ever, uh, I'm I'm down. We got the community game nights in yeah. motion, buddy. So. so yeah, we can play some Monster Hunter World or Generations Ultimate, a 3DS game originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff. Well, my number six is a uh, CD Projekt Red game. Oh, is it Cyberpunk, Ryan? No, it, it is, is not. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a game that I waited five years to play, largely because I was in college at the time, and there was no way. I would have the time to play something like this and really get lost and give it its fair time, and that is The Witcher 3. I originally, just for some context, played The Witcher 2 a bit on the Xbox 360, Mm -hmm. but the combat system, to me, it just didn't click. There was just so much complexity to it, and it was definitely a steeper learning curve that I was willing to give it the time to learn, and so I kind of put it down, shelved it. And I really kind of lost interest in ever playing any game in the series just because I knew it was such a significant time seeing people would pour hundreds of hours into that world because there's not only so many side quests, but the investment even in side quests can be just as extensive and dense as something that was in the main plot. Mm -hmm. And so none of that really interested me, even though the setting was right up my alley because it really is kind of that folklore medieval type setting like that we see in something like Skyrim, Oblivion, the fables of the world. And it's kind of an amalgamation of all of that. Well, kind of in the August, September timeframe, I was going really stir crazy in the apartment. Laura and I had started our home purchasing search, if you will. (laughs) And so just a lot of stress with that. And The Witcher 3 was the perfect game to get lost in. And I just fell completely in love, not only with Geralt just being such a badass dude, but then Ciri and all of the other, you know, the colorful cast of characters that's in that game that you end up meeting, befriending, falling in love with, whatever it might be. And just similar to something like Heavy Rain, where there are these branching paths and decision making and the side quests and the dialogue that you have with characters and just where you take Geralt and having a somewhat heavy hand and where his character goes, and mm-hmm. certainly in how events unfold in the kind of end game. And while I didn't get the most memorable or best ending, it in no way diminished my time, my 85 plus hours exploring that world up to that point. I had such a, a good experience playing it, really great soundtrack. The combat system finally clicked with me, I think because they streamlined it a little bit. But I also appreciated how it isn't just a button mash. You really do have to understand when to use your alchemy for particular monsters in the game. And once that clicked, there was just no stopping me playing it. You know, the 85 hours I played, very memorable. I still have the DLC to look forward to. And it's something that I'm probably going to end up playing here in the new year. Nice. Yeah, I'm. I I ran into the same issue that you did where it's it's a daunting task to take on any CD Projekt Red game. Yeah. Um, And it's something I wanted to love. And when you picked it up or asked to borrow it, I'm glad you really liked that game. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, that I know the the Witcher 3 that I played wasn't the version that launched in 2015. Yeah. I know there's a significant number of patches, but it's still... And I'm not, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of Cyberpunk, but it still hurts me a bit that Cyberpunk could have been so much greater, and it could have been a brilliant successor to The Witcher 3 at launch if they would have just pushed the game. I know eventually it'll probably be just as good or even better than The Witcher 3, but it would have been really kick-ass if that game would have launched in the March, April, May timeframe, and we wouldn't have been waiting for these quote-unquote DLCs to come out in January and February. Yeah. Those patches would have been in the base game at launch. Yeah, I don't... I don't... I guess I wasn't into that type of game back when... Uh, the Witcher 3 launch, so I don't really understand the hype for The Witcher 3 coming off the first two games, but I, I think similar to The Witcher 3 and its graviot, gravi, grandiose mm-hmm. uh, nature, I think Cyberpunk, there's no way that it could have succeeded with how much hype was around it. Oh, 100%. Regardless if it came out in the po- more polished state that The Witcher 3 is yeah. currently, but someday I hope it... it is at the same level that The Witcher 3 is now. And you can, whether it's your type of game or not, you can experience it to the same uh, degree effect. In yeah. all of its glory. Yep. Well, Ryan, I think we've both done 10 through 6. Now let's put our list on the back burner for just a few moments so we can read through a number of our listeners' kind of top fives for those unique categories that Ryan and I created. So just to kind of catch people up to speed for those that either didn't submit anything or maybe you submitted it a few weeks ago and you don't remember. I threw out a survey and Ryan and I kind of figured out five unique award categories so that we can get some feedback from the listeners about what some of their favorite games were. Yeah. So the categories were, well, the first of which was hopefully people submitting your name just so we can kind of tie it back to who submitted these different games. But the five unique categories were first, comfort food game of 2020 so this is just a game that brought you a sense of peace that you can kind of continually retreat to and enjoy over the course of the year that was 2020 we had slap an ost of 2020 so this is just the best soundtrack the blink and you'll miss it game of 2020 this is just kind of the hidden gem under the radar game most people probably overlooked prior year game of the year so any game that came out before 2020 that you played this year You got around to playing and it was one of your favorites. And then your 2020 game of the year, a game that released now last year that you enjoyed the most. So first up, we have friend of the show. He was on a couple episodes ago, more like 20 or 30 ago. His name is Logan. So his comfort food game of the year was Super Smash Brothers Melee, also known as Super Bros. (laughs) His slapping OST, it's a clean sweep here, Ryan. Super Smash Brothers Melee. His Blink and You'll Miss a Game of 2020, <laughs> Super Smash Brothers Melee. And uh, do I really need to read the last two? The Friday? last one and the second to last one are Brawl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or no, no. Super Smash. Mario. Fuck, what is it? Super Smash uh, 4. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We don't need to create another clip, right? Yeah, I was like, fuck, what is the actual title of this? <laughs> But yeah, he said Melee was his prior game of the year, and then his game of the year was actually Slippy, which is on my online Melee. I assume that's some kind of mod that people use to play online Melee. Good stuff. 
The next person up here, we have Josh, not frantic, but a different Josh on Twitter. His comfort food game of the year was Animal Crossing New Horizons. No surprise there. I think it was for a number of people. His slap in OST of 2020, Final Fantasy VII Remake, went on to win Best Soundtrack at the Game Awards. His blink and you'll miss a game was a short hike, a little game I talked about. I think it was my number seven. Good choice there. His prior year game of the year was Ori and the Blind Forest Complete Edition, something you and I want to yeah, play in the we'll near future. Yeah, to play that. And his 2020 game of the year was Animal Crossing New Horizons. Very nice. Well-deserved. Good, good choices. Good choices. Travis Losey, someone that you and I went to college with, his comfort food game of the year was The Long Dark on Switch. He says, I know it's been out for several years, but it came to the Nintendo Switch in 2020, and I have put so many hours into this game and continually go back to explore the world. His slap in OST of 2020, Fire Emblem Three Houses. He says, by far the most played soundtrack while working from home this year, and therefore, it wins. His blink and you'll miss a game of 2020 was Star Wars Episode One Racer. He said, yes. super nostalgic remake of the N64 game. I... Um, he said he introduced it to his wife and replayed with his sister, and it's his favorite racing game. This is actually a relatively easy platinum trophy, too. I enjoy the games for games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a great game. I'm glad you went back to it, and you were able to introduce your wife to it. That's good yeah. stuff, Travis. His prior year game of the year, oh, here we go, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. He says, finally played it in 2020, thanks to Rusty's feedback. I'm glad people... Oh, I'm glad Travis, in this specific instance, went back and played that. Uh, I know Lauren played a little bit on Switch because of what I was saying about it, and I know you want to eventually, too. Yeah. So, if you're sleeping on The Witcher 3, I know a lot of people, it's a daunting task to go through that game, but my goodness, is it worth it? And now's the best time to play it. You know, we have a little bit of a drought going into 2021, you know, yeah. coming away from the, ne- uh, the, the new console generation releases, so... It's a good time to sink your teeth into something like The Witcher 3. Yeah, it's a dangerous game. It's <laughs> 80 hours plus, and then you didn't even get into the card system, which is another, like... No, I didn't play it once other than the tutorial mission. Yeah. So. And then Travis's 2020 game of the year was Animal Crossing New Horizons. Simply put, it is the perfect game to play in 2020, and is a game I can play with my daughter, so it wins 2020. That's great logic. Good choice, yeah. Friend of the show, Dean, Pittsburgh Steelers fan. What's up? We got to play the Browns this afternoon. Comfort food game of 2020 for him was Overwatch. Definitely a shooter I wish I would have gotten into. Yeah, me too. But never did. Maybe Overwatch 2. We can we can get in on it, Ryan. Slap an OST of 2020. He says Hades, a game I know Very you nice. love. I'm still I anticipating completely agree. it coming on your uh, list here, coming soon, hopefully. Yes. The Blink and You'll Miss a Game for Dean was Among Trees. I haven't heard of this one. I haven't heard of that one either. I assume that's maybe an indie game? Yeah, I think it's a gardening simulator. Probably. Yeah. Prior year game of the year for him was Disco Elysium. I know that's a game that I think is coming to Switch later this summer. Kind of the complete edition, if you will. Um, I think it's kind of like an almost grid-based strategy game. I could be completely off base with that. But in any case, Dean's 2020 game of the year was The Last of Us Part 2. Nice. Great choice. Yeah. I won't read yours, Ryan, because we're going to do that here in the back half of the show. Good call. Alec Chronolink91, he submitted his uh, entries, I think, four times. He was just <laughs> really trying to get his voice heard. But, you know, I only, I'm only going to accept one of them, Alec. So I'm sorry, buddy. His comfort food game of 2020, a game I knew he wasn't 
really into getting, but I think the hype kind of pushed him over the edge, and that was Animal Crossing New Horizons. He says, for the one or two months I played it, and then Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory for the last few weeks. Both games are easy to chill and enjoy, despite Melody of Memory being hard on proud mode. That's a game that I actually never got around to picking up. I'm surprised. You were pretty hyped for it. Well, it came out literally, I think, the day the PS5 came out. And yeah, I couldn't probably not the best timing. I couldn't stomach after buying the four PS5 games I got at launch to also get a $60 uh, rhythm game for Kingdom Hearts. It's definitely something I'll probably pick up here in the next month or so. Yeah, on sale. To kind of time, yeah, time me over for Ratchet and Clank or whatever the next PS5 game that comes out. His slap in OST was Final Fantasy VII Remake slash Hades. He said, honestly, it's hard to pick between these two. And I agree. Great soundtracks yeah. there. His blink and you'll miss a game of 2021 was 50 Clubhouse Games slash Sakura Wars. Now, is that Sakura Wars So Long My Love on the PS2 and Wii, Alec, or was that a different Sakura Wars? I don't know. But 51 Clubhouse Games, I actually got that for Lauren for Christmas. Yeah. So definitely want to play some of that here on Switch in a future night. Prior game of the year for Alec was Half-Life 2. Absolutely legendary game that is still crazy fun to this day. And I actually got the Half-Life collection on Steam for like 7 bucks. So, looking forward to playing that iconic first-person shooter at some point. Yeah, I remember back in the day watching the playthrough of the first game, and it looked like a really good time. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His 2020 game of the year is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Delivered in spades everything I wanted, but then in parentheses, he says, Destiny 2 Beyond Light introduced me to my favorite new game, or my new favorite game location ever. I know he's a big Destiny fan, and he was very uh, upset that it didn't win Best Continuing Game on the Tarkaran Game of the Year Awards. It's definitely improved. I was surprised with, um, what was the the Space Explorer game? Uh, no Man's Sky? Yeah, No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. But Well, Destiny 2 is kind of like going back to... They're basically rehashing Destiny 1. Oh, no, no. I'm, what, I'm, what I was going to say is that playing something like Destiny 2 for me would be like going back to Lord of the Rings Online. I just feel like I would never stop playing it. Yeah. No, it's definitely a rabbit hole. But maybe someday. willing to get invested in if you're willing to get invested. Maybe you can show me the ropes, Alec, because I have no interest in playing Monster Hunter World with Rhyme. We have the next person up here. <laughs> Come back, kid. <laughs> Come back, kid. It's Friend of the bit. show. Known him for a long time. His comfort food game of 2020. He says, Halo Reach Firefight. Me and my bro have tons of fun playing this on the regular. Every game is different, and any random shenanigans can happen at any given time. That's a great choice, and our first community game night is going to be Halo 3. So hopefully we can get into some shenanigans with the community. His slapping OST of 2020, Ryan. I also think this could potentially fall under the blink and you'll miss a category. Mm -hmm. And that is Avicii and Vector. Yes. He says... This may have come out the last week of 2019, but he played it in 2020. This has lots of great licensed music from the late Avicii. Rest in peace, Avicii. I agree with Comeback Kid. And if you're a fan of games like Amplitude or Frequency on the PS2, great rhythm games back in the day on the PS2, definitely, definitely check out Avicii and Vector. I think there's physical copies on Amazon right now for less than 10 bucks. Okay. Like it's super affordable or you can just download it like I did. And I think you can get it on PS4 and Switch for sure. I'm, 
It's probably on Xbox as well. I'm not 100% sure on that. But definitely worth checking out. Comeback Kids Blink and You'll Miss a Game of 2020 is Tell Me Why. If you're a fan of the adventure genre, like Life is Strange games, give this one a shot. I know a lot of people talked highly about this one, so I'll definitely have to check it out. His prior year game of the year, Ryan, was Katana Zero. He said this is a great 8- and 16-bit action platformer. It is both, uh, with both of its graphical styles, with lots of humor. Old and new school fans should give it a try. I believe this game was showcased on IndieQuest, a great podcast by friends of the show Blink and Frantic, so Katana Zero. Cool. We'll have to keep that one in mind. And his 2020 game of the year was Super Mario 35. It might not count, but they put such a great multiplayer spin on the classic with Battle Royale elements. And hey, this is your list, Comeback Kid. Any game counts. Yeah. If it was your game of the year. Good stuff. Well, Ryan, I think that was a solid list from our friends, listeners of the show. We'll get into the final, what do we have here? 10-ish entries once we... Share our number number two two game. But let's get back to our list, Ryan. What was your number five game of the year? Uh, My number five was a game from a genre I thought I'd never play again. Um, I had gotten on Switch Dead Cells uh, back in the day, and I did not... I mean, it was a very cool style, and that's kind of what drove me to it, but the whole roguelike genre was not my thing. Um, losing everything was kind of just depressing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you got to increase your base, um, but when I saw a trailer for Hades, and it kind of had a spin with the Greek pantheon, um, I, I wanted to give roguelikes a try again, and uh, <laughs> it, it definitely didn't disappoint. Um, the the way first, I mean, similar to what we were just reading from. Uh, fans of the show uh, the soundtrack is amazing mm-hmm. um, it complements the combat the quick pace and for all of the six different weapons uh, very well it's a metal but just this dark and gritty feel to it which really enhances the experience I would have loved to see this indie game win game of the year mm-hmm. um, it, it's just one of those I you'd love to see the underdog win um, but it did take away a few awards, which was great to see. Um, I guess as far as the high macro level of the plot, you're the son of Hades, and you're trying to escape hell, or the underworld. Mm. And through that, I mean, being part of the Greek pantheon, you have your relatives, which are Zeus and all of the other gods, and you kind of un- start to understand your story as you go through these many attempts. Nice. And I- I've beaten the game once, um, or escaped hell once, and I think to understand the full plot, you have to escape ten times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess going through the six different weapons and kind of the progression is just so unique, talking to all of the people within your hell house um, each time you die and them just, like, giving you shit, or after you beat a boss, them, I guess, giving you shit most of the time. So mm-hmm. it, it's... It's an experience that I didn't think I would enjoy, similar to like Resident Evil. Um, but it, if you haven't played played Hades, it's worth giving it a try. I want you to play it, um, whether you try it on my Switch or not. Yeah, but, no, I mean, yeah. it's definitely something that's top of mind for me to play in 2021, whether I get it on the Switch or not. Because it looks great, and just the number of people talking about it and all the buzz surrounding it going into the Game Awards, and especially when it came out, 
and how much buzz it quickly received is definitely something that, yeah, I would like to play, especially for someone like myself that isn't really into that roguelike genre with things like Dead Cells that never click with me. Yeah, Hades is something I'll give a try. Yeah, I think it's a good place to start in that genre. I'm not saying I'll ever play a roguelike again, mm-hmm. um, but I was pleasantly surprised. Good stuff. That's a great number five. Yeah, what's yours? Well, my number five is something that I played kind of at the onset of the pandemic, and that is Final Fantasy XV. And just a quick thing I do want to talk about, I feel like Final Fantasy fans have become like Star Wars fans. You know, one of the uh, clips in our highlight reel was you said the people that hate Star Wars most are Star Wars fans. And I feel like the fan base surrounding Final Fantasy is so critical with how the the series has come, especially for people that grew up playing games like Final Fantasy VI and, of course, the holy trinity of seven, eight, and 9. And I just feel like no matter where they take the Star Wars movies, fans are going to be so critical. The sequel tri- trilogy obviously was very poorly planned, but when Force Awakens came out, it really kind of was a beat-for-beat retelling of A New Hope, yep. and then Last Jedi going the complete opposite direction and really challenging what Star Wars represented and what the Force was and all of that stuff fans obviously want none none of they didn't want anything to do with that yeah and i feel like final fantasy as an analogy you have something like final fantasy 13 where everyone was just like it's way too linear the combat system is basically just mash the x button to win and it's not any fun and so the series creators were like okay we'll, we'll go the complete opposite direction and give you an open world and Final Fantasy 15. And then fans were like, nope, it's a stupid bro adventure. You, All you do is just drive around in a car and there's a nonsensical plot that's no fun. So I just feel like no matter where they take this, the, those games, yeah. no one's ever going to be fun. I think based on what we've seen to this point in Final Fantasy 16, it sounds like they might be going back to the roots of what made Final Fantasy so special, more from a storytelling perspective and a world building perspective, maybe not so much the combat stuff. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about Final Fantasy 15, and my goodness, dude, I love the hell out of this game. I was all in on the kind of bro adventure because that was a time where I needed to get lost in an open world. Yeah. And every single time I put my way marker on the map to say I need to go to this place, I love just kind of sitting in the car, having one of my other buddies drive me just so that I can kind of like navigate the the camera, look around see the scenery, and then also you can kind of control the radio to go back and not only play different songs in the Final Fantasy XV soundtrack, but just hear a whole smattering of Final Fantasy music across all of the different games. That's really cool. And in particular, Final Fantasy XIII was well represented in terms of the music that you could play. And so that was really special to me. But I think Final Fantasy, uh, a lot of it comes down to story and combat. And I think it shines in Final Fantasy XV on both fronts. At least it did for me. The combat system really felt like it kind of blended Monster Hunter and The Witcher 3. Very heavy combat. Kind of the action RPG stuff. It's not turn-based. It doesn't have the Paradigm system or anything of that nature. But I really... I, really, I just really enjoyed the combat system, for one, and then I also felt like the story was just really emotional and almost Shakespearean in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, just the love interest of the main protagonist, Noctis, and the person that he he's in love with, and kind of just his his reason for going on this grand adventure. I, I, I really fell in love with it, 
and it's something I definitely want to go back to in 2021 because each of your kind of bands, band of brothers, if you will, has his own DLC story bit to it. Oh, that's really cool. And because I bought the Royal Edition, I have access to all of that DLC. So um, I really want to go back to it. Speaking of music, Yoko Shimomura, I talked about her earlier in the episode because she, of course, composed the soundtrack to Xenoblade Chronicles. She also composed the soundtrack to Final Fantasy XV, which is really great. And also, I loved how one of the major themes of the game is Stand By Me by Florence and the Machine. Mm. It kind of plays in the beginning of the game, but then I think by the end of it, it kind of takes on a whole new meaning when it plays as the credits roll. Okay. So I think Final Fantasy 15 took the series in a great new direction. I know it didn't click with everyone. It certainly did for me, but I was also a big fan of 13 and, and not many people like that game. So. so do you think 15 is the easiest within the franchise to get into? No. Or if, do you if, think like 10, 13, 7? No, I don't think 13 is a great entry point for people. I think if I was going to recommend anyone to play a Final Fantasy game for the first time, I think 9 is the best place to start. Okay. It's it's my favorite Final Fantasy next to 13. They're kind of tied, I guess. Uh, but other than that, I think 10 is probably the most accessible because mm-hmm. graphically 9 might be a little jarring to people just because it's a PS1 game yeah. and it's not remastered and it doesn't look super new. That's why I would say probably 10 is the best place to start for someone. Okay. But for, for me, my recommendation is going to be 9. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That yeah. might be... Uh... A 2021 game for me. You definitely should play it. Yeah. What is your number four? My number four is a game recommended by my roommate, Rick. And it's a game when I originally saw it, I think the graphical style was the thing that pulled me in the most. And this is Octopath Traveler. Nice. On the Switch. Um, I guess the overall concept is there's eight different characters and eight different quest lines. Um, ranging from the normal RPG kind of thief, mage, um, warrior um, style. Um, it's it's a Square Enix game. Probably my favorite. Square Enix did Kingdom Hearts, so I don't want to say that. But I, I'd say it's probably my favorite Square Enix game that I've played so far. Nice. Um, yeah, I, it also probably is my favorite soundtrack of all time when mm, it comes wow. to video games. That's um, I, I've consistently listened to the soundtrack. I think it's like a couple hours of all of the environments are so different um, in this giant map. And the, the way that it's set up is you kind of have a central kind of the center of the map is like the first ring of uh like lower level quest and as you expand you have like higher level loot and higher level uh enemies but you can go out to those areas at any time you're just going to be one shot yeah octopath really kind of resembles an old school rpg and i think that's why so many people took a liking to it because it has the kind of that open world feel of an early final fantasy early dragon quest game yeah and that's what i really was feeling i wanted a turn-based kind of something that i could sit down grind listen to some relaxing music nice um and I, I've made it through, I think, four of the characters so far, mm-hmm. um, gotten to the kind of end of their story. And it's a game, I, I I don't know how many copies were sold, but it's almost the hidden gem nice. of the Switch collection. I know you had gotten it, you haven't played it yet. Um, I think it's something that you and Lauren would really enjoy playing. Um, and if you haven't listened to the soundtrack, it's... 
phenomenal. It's really good stuff. Yeah, yeah no, it's definitely something I could see myself getting into at some point here in 2021. You should. Uh, my number four is something we already talked about. It was one of your honorable mentions, and that is The Last of Us Part Two. I don't really know if I can build up on anything we already said. I don't think I can say anything that hasn't already been said about this game, be it on Twitter or other where, uh, other places on the interwebs. I mean, I think it's probably the best use of motion capture for a game ever. Phenomenal acting by really all yeah. parties involved. Gustavo really outdid himself with the soundtrack in this one. I, I agree with all, all of your criticisms of it. For me, I think the the writing, the the overall story is still a standout as, as one of the best stories in video games for me, even though it broke me. I mean, it was just so, as I said, emotionally exhausting. Yeah. And I want to get the platinum trophy because it's really not all too challenging. As you just long, have to play through it again. Right? As long as I'm following a guide, I'm going to collect everything that I need to. But yeah, it's not a game that I want to experience again. Not anywhere in the near term. But I mean... I commend Neil Druckmann because he came out and said all I wanted to do was create a game where there was no ambivalence. You were either going to be on one side where you loved it or you were going to be on another side where you kind of hated it. And I feel like that's the case. That's what ended up happening when this game ended up releasing earlier in the year. And certainly when things leaked about key plot points, the fans were up in arms about where they took the direction. However, I commend them with the direction they took because to have a formulaic retelling of The Last of Us Part 1 where Ellie and Joel just cross the United States and go on a long journey and they both come out the other side better and more well-developed, I-, I think that's weak. That's not the storytelling I want in video games moving forward. And so I commend the direction that they took, even if it uh, overstayed its welcome for me. Yeah. No, I mean, it takes balls to say, I'm going to tell the story that I want these characters to go on. And yeah. I know the the actors have say in kind of their backstory i think uh troy mentioned that at the game awards well uh with i think was it the guitar portion that he enjoyed Mm -hmm. but yeah at the end of the day it's the director's characters and it's his story to tell and i think he did that and no apologies needed yeah so for sure ryan we're getting into the uh the top the big guys yeah (laughs) so i I think I know one of your top three because it's one of my top three and you Probably. haven't mentioned yet. And I don't know if it fell in the same place. It's either your one or two, uh, but it's Astro's Playroom. That's my number three. Okay, me too. Very <laughs> nice. This game, I did not expect. I mean, the way that I saw it originally, um, I thought it was going to be a tech demo. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be, hey, this is PlayStation's. We have this new technology and this controller, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to give you a few levels. Um, so with a character that you guys recognize from our library of characters um, to kind of show it off. And it does do that. It, it utilizes the controller in a great manner. But if, if I were to say that that's all that game did, it would be I'd be telling a lie. Mm-hmm. This game, it, it's the perfect send-off into the new generation. Um, from a nostalgic factor of all of the trinkets you see over the last four generations of the PlayStation consoles, along with all the game or major franchises throughout the previous system. Along with, I mean, amazing soundtrack. And it's just adorable. I I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have to give it a 10. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I can't think of one thing. I mean, maybe besides some of the monkey levels being just a pain in the ass, but it, it's it's a flawless victory for me. Yeah, no, I I agree on all fronts. I think Astro's Playroom is literally, in my opinion, the best launch title ever. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned this on our PS5 episode. I'm not saying it's a better game than Mario 64, or Mario World, or Wii Sports or Halo or anything like that. But I think not only, as you said, a perfect display of what the DualSense controller can do, but it is a celebration of memorializing everything that came to this point in PlayStation's history from consoles to peripherals to game franchises, whatever it is. And I think it's a perfect kickstart to this new generation with the PlayStation 5. There's just overwhelming sense of nostalgia playing this for me because I had everything going back to the PlayStation 1 and 2. I kind of took a backseat on the PlayStation 3, but I played the hell out of the PlayStation 4 these past nine years, or I guess seven years or whatever it's been. And so, yeah, I think not only is this the best launch game ever, but Astro is one of my favorite platforming characters ever at this point. And I cannot wait to see where they go with his character moving forward. Selfishly, I already want to see or here when we're going to get Astro 2. And while I'm never going to fork over the cash anytime soon for VR technology or PSVR, I want to play Astro VR missions so badly. The game that many say is the best VR game uh, that's come out to this point. So yeah, I mean, Astro's Playroom was the best surprise I could have ever imagined getting the PS5, knowing full well that the game I wanted to play most was probably Miles Morales, you know? And And I, I'm glad I waited for Demon Souls to play Astros, mm-hmm. and, and that's saying something coming from loving that series so much. It's, I, I mean, I didn't have a PlayStation One or Two, and getting to see all of the crazy different, like I didn't realize that on the PlayStation One there was like a mounted TV. Um, oh yeah, like there, there's some crazy trinkets that I mean Microsoft or Sony have when they're trying to sell their like connect and everything mm-hmm. um yeah it's I, I think it was the perfect it was just a perfect game yeah no it's, generation. It, it's a great platformer and i also if astro is the mascot for playstation moving forward i think that would be the best thing that they can do to represent that console and best pack and game best launch game man astro you're a real one yeah well ryan we get into the number two game now yes I, I think our one and two are going to be, whether flip-flopped or the same. Um, so my number two is Ghost of Tsushima. That's my number two. Very Wow, we are pretty in sync. I, well, Holy your number shit. one is definitely not my number one, and I know what your number one is. So. Yeah. But yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, what do you think of it? Live up to your expectations? It did. Um, I didn't want, when I was, I mean, the trailer, were they're amazing. And I... Beating Sekiro this year was the same kind of environment. Um, Neo 2 came out this year, and I tried to play that, um, which has a a similar stance kind of mechanic. Mm -hmm. And that one just didn't click with me. So I was hoping... I I originally wasn't even going to get Ghost of Tsushima until it came out, because I went to five freaking stores, and it was sold out everywhere. And I think you bought it digitally... Mm-hmm. And then I followed suit, and I was not disappointed. This no. was probably one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Easily. Um, and the soundtrack to complement those environments, I mean, I when we were talking offline, it's 
that opening cinematic of you going through the the white flowered fields looking over a yellow treed forest that's how you start the game and you're like holy shit what world did i just ride into on a horse yeah for sure and this was another example similar to xenoblade where when i first played it it really was impressive just in terms of that opening sequence and Mm -hmm. the world building and Jin as a character the combat system all of that was so impressive but I also felt so overwhelmed with the world because it's all shrouded in smoke. Yeah. And as you kind of explore different areas and clear different places that it's, they call it Mongol territory, kind of similar to clearing bases in Spider-Man, if you will. I just, it was so overwhelming and knowing there were three different acts and kind of three different sections of the island that I had to explore. I was like, man, this is just too overwhelming for me. I'll come back to this later. And I really didn't think I was going to play it again until something inside of me was just like, we need to go back to that game probably because I wanted to give it one more shot before I started forming my game of the year list. And my goodness, am I so thankful I did. And am I so thankful that sucker punch took a tremendous risk because they easily could have just said, Hey, we haven't had an infamous game in a while. Let's go back to that series. A lot of people really enjoyed that on the PS3. I believe there was an infamous game at launch for PS4, at least near launch. And I'm sure it would have sold really, really well for them. Mm-hmm. But in this, instead, they probably challenged the development team. They challenged their writing team. They went all in on Ghost of Tsushima. And it is one of the fastest selling games on the PlayStation 4. It is one of the best games of last generation. Yep. And it has probably kickstarted what will end up being a series of games moving forward on PlayStation 5. And I I just adored it. I mean, it very it is my 2020 game of the year because my number one game is not a game that came out this year. Oh, cool. And so we talked about it on prior episodes. I don't want to ramble on too long about it, but Jin kind of represents Ahsoka Tana to me as it relates to the samurai code versus the Jedi code, where he has this introspection over the course of the game where he recognizes that following the Jedi or following the samurai code is going to ruin his people. Mm -hmm. They're all going to die. The Mongols are going to take over their territory and they're going to be ruled on the Mongols unless he challenges that and goes rogue in a certain sense and when he does that and how you kind of have a hand in controlling him and going down that path that no one else sees no one else can see that that's what he has to do in order to save his people oh my gosh it was so beautiful and one of the standout things for me of the game among many things was the combat Mm -hmm. because i too played neo and i felt like switching between those different stances it just didn't feel right and i feel like in ghost of tsushima it just works perfectly because when you have these standoff moments with these characters, you quickly recognize the different stance that you need in order to take these people down. And it does almost play similar to Final Fantasy 13, where once you understand how it works and when you need to shift to those different paradigms based on your enemy and Ghost of Tsushima, when you see someone that has a shield or one of the giant dudes, you know that you need to shift to that stance and it almost becomes rhythmic. Yeah. No, I, I think the combat complements the amazing storytelling, the phenomenal soundtrack, and just getting lost in the world, whether it's you're listening to a podcast, uh, f- what going through all the fox dens or all of the different uh, combat challenges throughout the map. It, it doesn't fall into the same kind of pitfall that Spider-Man, the 2018 does, yeah. where it's cumbersome with your map being full. I guess I get the fog of war being kind of intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think the overall experience of just really riding around at your horse is oh my just, gosh. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it just feels so good. There's really nothing about the game that I would change. I understand similar to Spider-Man 2018, it could seem a little cumbersome with the number of collectibles on the yeah. screen. But at the same time, it is, I think, a perfect podcast game in that sense for the collectibles. Some of the story beats, even the side quest story stuff, is not very podcast friendly no, because not. you really want to pay attention to what's going on. No, they really develop, I mean, I think your main character throughout the main story, obviously. But then those side characters that you spend a good amount of time with in the main quest and kind of build up the world. Uh, it, it's just, it's a great game worth playing. Yeah, and Ghost of Tsushima, man, nine and a half, ten out of ten. It's it's so good. Yeah, so good. I can't wait agree. to see what Sucker Punch does moving forward with that series because I'm sure Jin's journey has not quite come to a close. Hopefully not. Yes, but Ryan, before we get to our number one, let's go back to the listeners' uh, su- submissions for those five unique categories that we mentioned earlier in the show. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. So first up, we have Knickknack. His I have to scroll up here. His comfort food game of the year was Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics. So definitely something that I'm looking forward to playing as well. As I mentioned, I got it for Lauren for Christmas. His slapping OST was Streets of Rage 4. Dude, listening to this soundtrack oh with you. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so good. Amazing. So definitely, uh, yeah, just wait and see. We'll have a little something special for Streets of Rage 4 music here coming soon. His Blink and You'll Miss It game of 2020 was Maneater, something that I nearly purchased myself for PS5, but I'm thankful that it's actually going to be a PlayStation Plus game in January. Hmm. So looking forward to playing that. His prior year game of the year is a rock star favorite of mine, Bully. Okay. Definitely a fun one that I'll, I'm looking forward to eventually downloading on the PS5 because it's on the uh, the PSN store. And his 2020 game of the year was Resident Evil 3 Remake. Very nice. Something that I definitely want to eventually get to uh, finish out my Resident Evil collection back there on the PS4. Sean, or Shamborski, good friend of the show. I worked with him up north for a, a, a decent amount of time after college. His comfort food game of the year was Animal Crossing New Horizons. I actually have to click in here. To get the full uh, write-up, he says, Animal Crossing New Horizons, I know everyone feels this way, but this game couldn't have come out at a better time. Much love to Nintendo for this one. His slap in OST was Halo The Master Chief Collection. Technically came out on previous generations and PC in 2019, but the soundtracks in in all of these games are outstanding. 10 out of 10. Completely agree. Marty O'Donnell, you want to come on the uh, Talker Brothers podcast, man? Hit me up. Blink and you'll miss it game of 2021 for Sean. He says, moving out. This is another game that my wife and I played quite a bit during lockdown. Great co-op game and an aesthetic similar to Overcooked. Interesting. Oh, cool. Good stuff. His prior year game of the year. Hell yeah, Sean. He says, Dishonored. He said, I never played this game when it released, but I haven't had a gaming experience as great as this one in years. Oldie, but a goodie. I agree, Sean, and I definitely encourage you to play... uh, Dishonored 2 as well. I still need to play Death of the Outsider, but uh, good stuff. And his 2020 game of the year was Animal Crossing New Horizons. Once again, this game came out at the perfect time in a difficult year. Grateful for the memories this game created. Awesome. Good stuff. Josh, aka Frantic, his comfort food game of the year was Minecraft. He says, is always there for me to hug me, and I found (laughs) a lot of joy also in Tony Hawk 1 and 2 HD. His slap and OST game of 2020 was Miles Morales. 
Definitely mm-hmm. agree. Really kick-ass soundtrack there. His Blink and You'll Miss a Game of 2020 is Inmost or Sludge Life. I think Sludge oh. Life, I watched him stream, and that was just hilarious. Hmm. Look up Sludge Life. I yeah, think it's I'll like have a, to look it up. I think it's like a dollar on Steam or something like that. His prior year game of the year is Death Stranding, followed closely by Outer Wilds and Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order was my 2019 game of the year, so great choice there. And then his 2020 game of the year is The Last of Us Part 2. Next up, we have Blink, and his comfort food game of the year was The Last Campfire. Most of my comfort food gaming this year was done on games made prior to 2020, things like a short hike, but... The Last Campfire was there for me when I needed something calming, comfortable, and warm. His slapping OST was Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Good choice. But that GPU song in Astro is pretty much straight fire. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree. Which could not agree more. Blink. His Blink and you'll miss it game. I got to click in here as well to see the full write-up he has. Is Moon Remix RPG Adventure, a game that you actually had interest in. I want to play that one. This quirky, weird Japanese game was finally localized, and it's truly a -a one-of-a-kind experience. I think if I remember correctly, that game actually came out like 98 or something like that. So You'd know better than I (laughs) Something you'll have to check out. His prior year game of the year is Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch. Hmm. This truly swept me up in an RPG world unlike anything I've ever experienced. Definitely something that I want to go back to eventually. Uh, hopefully the battle system will click a little bit more for me. His 2020 game of the year is uh, a game I went and purchased because of his recommendation, and that is 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Sci-fi anime meets Lost, a gripping complex story with a real message Message topped with that Vanillaware art. Sign me up. Sign me up too. I, uh, I got it on PS4, and I'm looking forward to hopefully sitting down with Lauren and uh, experiencing that story together. Yeah, that's another one from his long list of games I've never heard of <laughs> to play. Speaking of Lauren, Gizmo writes in, and her uh, comfort food game of the year was Animal Crossing. Her slapping OST, she originally put Gree or Gris, but then she told me, make sure you edit it and put in Old Man's Journey. So. Cool. Old Man's Journey, definitely check that out. You can get it on pretty much every platform, and man, is that soundtrack phenomenal. Her Blink and You'll Miss It game is Story of Seasons. This was, I think, originally a Game Boy Advance game. I can't really remember, but it ended up... Friends of Mineral Town, a Harvest Moon game or whatever, but it ended up being remade for Switch. So that's her Blink and You'll Miss It game. Her prior year game of the year is Child of Light, and her 2020 game of the year is Spiritfarer. Hmm. Okay. So... Good stuff. Rocking the indie titles. Oh, yeah. She's playing a lot of them these days. Next up, we have Eric or Nintai. His comfort food game of the year was Spider-Man Miles Morales, a game that I was able to play and immerse myself in immediately thanks to my familiarity with Spider-Man 2018. His slapping OST is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Some fantastic honorable mentions would be Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, very much agree there, or Cyberpunk 2077. His hidden gem, or blink and you'll miss a game, was Doom Eternal. Mm. Yes, a game of the year contender, however, I feel like the narrative is rather dismissive towards Doom Eternal, and he loved it. Good stuff there. His prior year game of the year, he says, I'll treat this as the best non-2020 release that I played this year, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I assume he means the remake. Good stuff there. 
And his 2020 game of the year, Ryan, was Ghost of Tsushima. Very nice. Completely agree. Yep. Uh, Brad, I don't, I'm not familiar with Brad. Hey, Brad. But he wrote into the show. (laughs) He has his five submissions here. His comfort food game of the year, which I couldn't agree more. A short hike. What a lovely little game. Definitely play that, people. Slap an OST. We definitely have a uh, lot of people singing this game's praises, and that is Ori and the Will of the Wisps for him. Blink and you'll miss it is Lithium City. I definitely blink because I missed that one. (laughs) I've not heard of that one, no. His prior year game of the year is Ring Fit Adventure. I know a lot of people got into that game this year, so that's good stuff. And uh, his 2020 game of the year is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Very nice. Good stuff. Next up, we got Nolan, or APOC. His comfort food game of the year was Roller Coaster Tycoon. This one was big for me this year because it helped me rediscover my love for this classic, but also allowed for a welcoming and fun place to talk to people while streaming. Great memories there, so definitely go check out Nolan on the old Twitch. Good stuff. His slap in OST was Hades. This game has a soundtrack that puts you right in the middle of the action and never fails to keep the blood pumping. Great description. Love it. Definitely have to play Hades in 2021. His blinking you'll miss a game is Eastshade. He describes it as Skyrim, but no arrows to the knee. Such a beautiful (laughs) concept and a chill comfort game to wind down after a long week. I completely agree. It's something that's been on my Steam wish list probably since it released, and uh, I just never got around to picking it up. So I'm glad that no one ended up streaming it and just seeing that game in action. Oof, man, chef's kiss. Good stuff. His prior year game of the year is Shadow of the Colossus. This game had such an impact on me. From the story to the rewards you feel when you figure out how to beat a Colossus or Colossi, amazing. And his 2020 game of the year was Minecraft Dungeons. Uh-oh. I feel like I didn't play many 2020 games, but this game meant a lot to me because Michelle, his wife, loved it and the hours spent were so much fun. Good stuff. I know Minecraft Dungeons is something you played a bit. Yeah, I, pl- I think I got like halfway through. It was a good time. Well, we still don't know your game of the year, so maybe it did come in at number one. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I didn't beat it, <laughs> but maybe. Uh, we got Zach Archer, friend of the show of the Tarkaron, I call it a podcast, I don't think he would, but whatever, his comfort food game of 2020 was Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Definitely my comfort food game throughout the year, but it didn't come out this year. So in terms of 2020 games, it would be Animal Crossing New Horizons. Hmm. His slap in OST of 2020 would be The Mandalorian on the Disney Plus console, (laughs) otherwise known as The Midichlorian, exclusively on Netflix. His Hmm. blink and you'll miss a game of 2020 is probably either Cyberpunk 2000 as well as 77 or Super Mario 64. One has genital customization. I'll let you guess which one. (laughs) His prior year game of the year is either Wind Waker or Super Smash Brothers Ultimate on his Nintendo Switchy. And his 2020 game of the year was Animal Crossing. Let's live on an island this time, is what he says. Good stuff, Zach. Yeah, very good. And finally, we have coming in here, ringing in at the 11th hour, Chris Matthews of the Radio Fighters Band, is what he titled his name as. I, I, I know who this is, but maybe I won't even give it away. His comfort food game of 2020 was Spyro the Dragon, except those damn gliding levels where you have to collect all the stuff before the time runs out. Oh, God, fuck. fuck those levels, is what Sean <laughs> says. His slap in OST of 2020, Tony Hawk 1 and 2. New songs were great additions to the stellar OG lineup. 
blink and you'll miss it game. He says, Ghost of Tsushima literally never gets mentioned on the Otaku Bows. Bunch of Xbox fanboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know us too well, Sean. His prior year game of the year, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. How is this even a question? It's the undisputed best game ever made, he says. And his 2020 game of the year, oh dude, I don't know anything about modern games. I'm voting for Jet Grind Radio on the Sega Dreamcast. Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of that one. <laughs> I have. Oh, you got to love it, though. Sean, thank you for writing in at the 11th hour. We definitely much appreciate it. You got to write in more on the Otaku Brothers podcast. We'd love to hear from you. But Ryan, now you and I have to get into our game of the year. Or do you want to first say what we said for our yeah. five categories? Yes, I will only pull yours up real quick because I just closed it. Go to this second page. Ryan, your comfort food game of the year, which I think is also going to end up being your 2020 game of the year. You don't spoil shit. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll come back to the comfort food game award. Your slap and OST was Hades. Your yes. blink and you'll miss it game was Nexamon. It, yeah. Definitely it something did. I want to play. Your prior year game of the year, I think it was number four, was Octopath Traveler. And your, you said your 2020 game of the year was Ghost of Tsushima. But since it came in at number two, I think your comfort food game of the year ended up coming in at number one. And what was yes, that? Animal Crossing. Good stuff. Yes. But before we get any further, I also have to share. Yeah, what about you? My, Did uh, you change yours as well? My what? Game of the year. Um, No. Once I played it, I knew this was going to, there's nothing that was going to top it. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. So <laughs> my comfort food game of the year was the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. Okay. Love that trilogy of games. Three doesn't necessarily uh, hold up for me just because they try to do too much as platformer trilogies tend to do. The Sly Coopers and Jack, Dac- Jack and Daxters of the world are kind of notorious for just like, oh, you liked all these other side characters? Well, now you can play as all of them and we have more collectibles than ever. I think Spyro 1 is perfect. Well, Spyro 1's great. I think Ripto's Rage is perfect. Mm -hmm. They finally found what worked, and it just, man. I definitely needed to play those games this year because uh, I just need a little infusion infusion of nostalgia. And that purple little dragon running around is just so damn cute. My slap in OST was Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Yoko Shimomura. You want to be on the podcast? Let me know. My blink and you'll miss a game was a short hike. Again, I cannot speak highly enough of that game. My prior year game of the year is my number one game, so I'll get to that in a moment. But my 2020 game of the year was Ghost. Okay, cool. So with all of that being said, Ryan, now we can actually get into why Animal Crossing is your number one game. I I mean, we've talked about Animal Crossing to death. Um, I think this is the perfect game for a global pandemic. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's how they really should have marketed it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there is a conspiracy that Nintendo really delayed the game because they were also re- like releasing a pandemic at the same time to uh, sell more copies. The causes of COVID, But yeah. I'm, let me take off my tinfoil hat for a second. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I, I think Animal Crossing on the 3DS was probably one of my favorite games trying to fill out the catalog just upgrading just becoming an indentured servant to tom nook Mm -hmm. it's i I spent so many hours trying to collect every set every bug every fish uh it's just so good yeah and being locked away on furlough for three weeks um putting 250 hours in 
I, I don't know if I slept much. <laughs> I definitely didn't move much from my couch playing this game, but it, it was just the perfect game to help anyone survive 2020. I agree with and you. And whether it, I, we had Zach, uh, Chrono, you, Lauren. Lauren put, I'm surprised Lauren has a game that she's put, besides probably Melee, mm-hmm. 200 plus hours in. That's right, yeah. Um, I, I just enjoyed the crap out of it. I, I haven't gone back since I bull rushed um, 250 hours, but it's definitely a game that I can see myself going back to in the future, collecting all the fish, um, collecting all the paintings. There's, there's just so much to do, and the the soundtrack, it, it just, it's such a joyous game. Yeah. And the community and the trading of furniture when it first came out was so alive Mm -hmm. that it it was just great yeah no i mean it deserves the praise it's gotten yeah 100 percent. i mean i think them delaying it was the best thing they could have done because literally march was when i think everyone was really came to the understanding that covid was real and yeah everything was locked down and it did come at the perfect time what else can you say about it it didn't make my top 10 it wasn't even an honorable mention it really should have been and, you know, looking back, maybe I could have sneaked it in for heavy rain or something like that because I spent over 105 hours and that's the most I spent with any game this year. Yep. I mean, the next closest thing was probably The Witcher 3, which was 85 hours. So I loved my time with Animal Crossing, but I, I, I fell into the trap that I did with New Leaf on 3DS where I just tried to play so much. I didn't try. I mean, I was just so invested in the game. I was having such a good time, but I burnt myself out within a month, and I haven't gone back since. And no, I, whether I, I'll go back to it eventually remains to be seen. I, I I don't know, but I really thoroughly enjoyed those 105 hours, and it did absolutely come out at the perfect time. Yeah, and I, I think the I don't know if this is the best thing, but I, I think the the thing that other studios can learn is Animal Crossing. I mean, they apologized and said, hey, we just want to give you the best game that we can give you. And they delayed it for five plus months. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that other studios should be doing. Cyberpunk being the most recent example of that. Um, and it, it turned out great for them. Yep. I mean, yeah, it, it's a great game. Couldn't agree more. Well, my number one is something that people are probably wrapping their minds and saying, like, what did Rusty talk about this year that hasn't been mentioned yet? It didn't come out in 2020, but it's his number one game of the year. Yeah. And that is a game I had the opportunity to stream at some point during the summer, <coughs> that game company's journey. When it came out in 2012, took the entire world by storm. It really kind of redefined what indie games could become. And I think since then, we've had just thousands of indie games, you know, but I don't think any of them quite hold a candle to a game like Journey. And this has quickly become one of my favorite games of all time. I can say without a doubt in my mind, it is the best experience I've ever had playing a video game. And I'm so thankful that not only that I streamed it, mm-hmm. but just that the stars aligned and, you know, I had an audience of Blink, Sprite, Comeback Kid, and Pete Door, people that also really understand why this game is so special, and they were kind of there to guide me along this journey. Yeah. No pun intended, obviously, but then also that I had a first-time player that I got to navigate this world with, someone that just kind of popped out of the sand and... And they became my little friend. 
And that little friend not only went on this incredible experience with me, but then there were a few moments where I thought I lost that person, which you can do in Journey. You can become too distant from them and then they pop out of your game world and then you might potentially go on the experience with another person. And then at the tail end of the game, you find out the number of people that you interacted with. And there's a key moment in the game that I won't go into the details of because for those that haven't played it, I really don't want to spoil it for you. But you kind of think all hope is lost and that you've potentially died. And that's kind of the end of this somber experience. But then you kind of get new life. And the the next two to three minutes of gameplay were some of the most magical I have, again, ever experienced in a video game. And that's why it is my number one game of 2020 because I cried the happiest tears I probably ever cried playing a video game and experiencing that game in front of an audience of people like someone uh, like Pete Doerr that I probably never would have got into YouTube or podcasting if it wasn't because of him. And experiencing Journey in front of him among so many other of my friends was just certainly the most special moment I had in 2020 as it relates to playing video games. Yeah, no, I I don't think there's another game that, (laughs) that could top that. Probably in the last couple years. Yeah. For you, so. No, it's just a really special is definitely the word that comes to mind. And uh, I'm so glad I got around to playing it and definitely um, streaming it. Yeah. So, wow, Ryan, what a crazy episode. I don't know the last time we talked over two hours on the Otaku Brothers it's podcast. It's been a few. It's been a while. But I think that was a nice way to ring in 100 episodes. I think that was a nice way to ring in the new year. But we still have more. Yeah, I was going to say, are you forgetting me? No, no, I would never forget. I <laughs> good, would never good. forget. Uh, so what Ryan and I wanted to do, obviously we wanted to do something special, bring in the listeners, have a chance for them to have their voices heard mm-hmm. on this Milestone episode 100 for us. And that was submitting your five selections for those unique categories that we created. But we wanted to take things just one step further. It's no secret that we both love video game or music in video games. Me in particular, I'm always talking about the music in games, and we've played music from games on the podcast yep. umpteen times over. Well, we wanted to kind of celebrate the music that we were blessed with and gifted with in 2020 as it relates to gaming. And so what we did, based on everyone's selection for Slappin' OST, Ryan and I took the creative freedom going back for each of those games that you submitted listening to the soundtrack and trying to find the perfect game that exempl or perfect song that it exemplified that game. So what Ryan and I want to do is we clip together or I edited together a 25 minute clip celebrating the best video game music had to offer us this year. So Ryan, what do you say we go ahead and take a listen? Let's do this. All right. Here we go. Sit back and enjoy some of the best music video games had to offer in 2020. <laughs> oh! Sorry, that was the wrong clip. Oh my! All right, let's actually get to the real clip that celebrates the best music gaming had to offer in 2020. Enjoy.
Well, there you have it, everyone. Some of the best music that we saw in video games this year, and that was just a small taste. I mean, my goodness, Ori in the Will of the Wisps, Hades, Last of Us Part Two wasn't even in that clip. My goodness. Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage 4, that song that came after the Superman, Goldfinger Superman from Tony Hawk 1, of course, was a little song from Avicii and Vector. Mm -hmm. So if that was your jam, definitely go check out that game. My goodness, I mean, there's just so much good music packed into that little clip. Hopefully, when you selected a particular game, I found a song that well represented it. Yeah. You'll have to let us know. Get in the Discord. Write us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Hopefully, I did all of those games justice by selecting the best tune. But with that being said, Ryan, we have to, as we always do, thank the listeners for continuing to support the show, for continuing to listen to the show, getting in the Discord and talking about all kinds of fun things. Again, if you're not in there, please just click that little simple link in the show notes below. Join our community. Get in on the fun discussion. We would love to have you there because Ryan and I are not stopping anytime soon. We have lots of fun things planned in the weeks ahead and certainly for this next 99 episodes oh yeah so as we close this chapter another one in the otaku brothers journey begins but as i always do nothing's changing here when we close an episode i always turn it back to my co-host ryan do you have any departing words for yeah, our listeners so i guess thanks guys for all your support of 2020 um it's been a long year we had some sabbaticals in there um Animal Crossing definitely deserves Game of the Year, but it, it was robbed. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, but thanks for all writing in, and we uh, look forward to another good year and another hundred thousand episodes, <laughs> something like that. We'll see where we come in and anticipate next week's episode, where we will be talking about our most anticipated games of 2021. Definitely writing a list during <laughs> all of these submissions, like games I need to play. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, we'll see you next time. See ya.